0: love Talk Radio. Right, and here we go with the main event of the evening, ladies and gentlemen and attendants. Boxing fans joining
1: us around the world. It's time for the bout you all have been waiting for. finally it is showtime. Hey, man, we dedicate our life to this sport. We give, we. we Thousands of setups in camp. We run hundreds of miles, you know, for the ones to take it serious. And we just dedicate ourselves fully to our craft, man. We watch tapes. We, 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 you know, we have attitude, we moving and we that fight to land on the to land on the line. Dove Radio Podcast. I am your host Chris Carlson. We are live on a Wednesday night. Hope everybody's doing okay. I almost, almost choked on my words there. Anyway, I hope everybody's doing alright. I had a pretty good week. Like I said, I hope you did as well. So we have a variety of things to speak about on tonight's show. We like to start in the ring and that's where our first topics will be. Um. You know, a ho-hum weekend, we kind of knew that going in. Pro Bellum had a bunch of, you know, pretty easy fights, show, showcase fights. Not all of them, but, you know, um, Reaches Pro Grace won fairly easy. Um, Sonny Edwards won. Doheny, uh, Doheny, is that what it is? Doheny? Donahay is what I remember saying at the start. Uh, he won. Um... Berlanga didn't look like a monster. You know, they, they gave him that nickname a while back, taking it from Inoue. Kind of funny how they, that happened when Inoue's, you know, signed with top rank. But anyway, um, you know, Stevie Rolls jabbed his way to some realms. Some people thought he won the fight. Um, Berlanga just didn't look all that good. Uh, Very so-so outing For Berlanga And you know it begs the question Is this guy going to be legit Or is it all hype All those knockouts Especially those first round Knockouts now that we've seen them Not just on the mat but we've seen Are we seeing the ceiling Or does he need time to Grow but with this little Buzz and hype he has You know In some you know if you look at some of the people that can, you know, uh, broadcast him on live and uh, tweet stuff and tweet about him. He's got a, a nice following. So is that – are they going to milk that or are they going to keep stepping up the pace? We'll see. It could be just a thing of he just needs more time. It also could be like the dude's just not all that skillful. Um, Rocha. That's Rocha – Basically had the best win of the of the week, and don't get me wrong, Zayas looked very, very good. He really did. He, he looks the part of a of a guy who knows what the hell he's doing. You know, really high on him. But Blair Cobb had all that stuff to talk about about a variety of folks, not just uh, by the way, um, you know, not just Spence. He, he was talking about a variety of folks. But, man, sometimes you can talk and it's great and, you know, people are going to pay attention. And then all of a sudden you get knocked. Blair Cobb goes down. Roach a nice little bounce back win for him. And then this weekend here in Minneapolis at the Armory, Tim Zhu makes his American debut against Terrell Goucher. Or Gachier, uh, you know, a very solid uh, fighter. Who was, it's a good test at this time frame. You know, instead of just taking a complete walkover type fight, knowing that you're going to have some sort of opportunity right in front of you being a mandatory. I do like that. He did this Riviera Dorno should be fun as hell. Um, And then Elvis Rodriguez as a prospect is on that undercard. Bert Schelt on ESPN taking on the guy that, you know, um, Stevenson pretty much handled, right? So, Getting Burchell to fight back, you know, he just got knocked out not long ago. Um, You know, nothing too crazy about it, but, hey, it's not like it's a a bad, bad opponent for considering, you know, him coming off knockout. And then Josh Warrington and Kiko Martinez, and I think it's from Leeds, on the zone. Really interested in that matchup. That's a rematch, technically, from a, a very competitive fight. Obviously, Warrington since then. Um, You know, he got a couple good wins. He he, he, he beat Frampton and whatnot, but he's been on the downslide somewhat anyway. Uh, You know, his chin has come into question. Uh, His power, who's going to knock who out first? Kiko Martinez reinvented himself, or uh, maybe I shouldn't go that far, right? But, hey, the dude sprung a surprise KO on Galahad so I'm really looking forward to that fight so there is some interesting stuff now next weekend it kind of calms down again because that's you know here in the States call it basketball the final four on Saturday both those games in the final four and then Monday night is the national championship that's obviously not this weekend but next weekend so really calm then once April kicks in man April May and even June now is filling up and we've been in a little bit of a funk lately Uh, We're going to get out of it in a hurry. Um, There is some other items uh, to speak upon. (laughs) Uh, George Cambosis and Lomachenko is not going to happen. Lomachenko has decided to stay in the Ukraine. I think he's working border patrol, if I remember correctly. Not to sound like Pusher T. Border control. Uh, Devin Haney has now, it appears... To get this fight right in his lap, this major, major opportunity for him, it did seem that Haney and Loma all the while were the, you know, the guys that'll probably get the fight. Then it, it was Loma basically. They've already, they had already decided. Cambosis has come out recently and say, "Hey, take it or leave it. This is the deal. You said you'd take the exact deal that Loma did. Here it is. They've been offered it. The Haney side." Eddie Hearn did say that they're, you know, looking it over and uh, going over, you know, it's a rematch clause, this, that, and the other, but hopefully they don't spend too much time with it beyond, you know, lawyer jargon and all that good stuff, you know, making sure the, the T's are, are crossed and the I's are dotted. But that would be what an opportunity and good for Kambosis to take on just a legit guy, you know, on your first home fight in over three years, coming off a major upset last year to become the undisputed. At least some people, most people think that. Some people do think it's bullshit because of the franchise WBC stuff. I I understand that. I don't think Loma, I can't really call Loma a duck for, you know, not fighting Haney and then fighting Tia I understand there's an issue with that franchise. And and so – I think it's undisputed, but in the same breath, I get it because the belts, you know, sanctioning bodies, I'm not here to like, you know, bend over backwards for them as well, right? Um, There are a couple other items out there. Oscar doubled down, shit, he probably tripled down on Charlo Mungia for some odd reason. No DAZN, no fight, he's still sticking to it, even though DAZN... Doesn't want it on pay-per-view in and, and either the showtime, but I don't want to get too deep into that because we already went over that um, last week. Um, there has been just, uh, you know, I, we'll get into it. I got a bunch of messages on that Mungia Charlo stuff. Uh, a lot of the media members getting all pumped up. Uh, <laughs> one of the media members blocked me for, for you know, not – um, not going along with his bullshit narrative, uh, basically. <laughs> but, yeah, man, it's funny how much hate Charlo got for that opponent. Did Andre and Jacobs get that much hate? I'm not sure. Um, I get it, but it just seems kind of funny that it, it goes back to if you're tweeting about the Charlo opponent, and, of course, I'm talking about Jamal Charlo, not Jamel. We all know Sulecki's not this great matchup. We get it. Considering the circumstances, it's really funny that that's – literally, people were just tweeting about that and not – anything to do with the Showtime schedule, all these other great fights. I mean, there's plenty of great fights, plenty of just good, you know, uh, just decent fights for folks. And, you know, there's going to be some, eh, not really interested. Or, oh, that's a good TV fight. Like, Benavidez-Lemieux, is that some kind of crazy matchup? No. But I think stylistically, it will be fun to watch, you know. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's – man. Oh, man. Um, Don King is back in the game. <laughs> I think Spence and Ugas, yeah, they announced their uh, undercard. So it's a six total fights. Two of them on Showtime, four of them on the pay-per-view. We've seen that with Fox lately. I like the PBC that they're doing this. Obviously, I'd much rather have Spence and Ugas on – you know, on pay per view than I would some of these other fights that have come out recently uh, from really Fox side of it. Um, well, then again, the rolly one too, right? That's that's Showtime. But anyway, there's a variety of other stuff we'll get to. But if this is your first time listening to the Ropa Dope Radio podcast, welcome! It streams live right here on BlogTalkRadio.com forward slash rope Dope Radio. You don't have to, you know. Uh, download the show directly there or, or listen to it in the browser You can find rope Radio um, On Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher Spricker, Amazon Music Google Podcasts All pretty much over the place You know what I'm saying? Um, we're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network um, Hold on, wait a second Okay, sorry, I got a little message saying It wasn't clear, I must have had that Off or something, my mic up anyway if this is your first time oh no oh no i already did that didn't i <laughs> that kind of screwed me up if somebody text me again can you whoever just messaged me you're good now you can hear it maybe the mic was away anyway one more thing if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have you're not quite happy i got something for you it's called direct tv stream the price to start is low at 69.99 a month it's the best of live tv and on demand no annual contracts no hidden fees if you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, that gives you three free months of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees. And boxing fans, you might be interested in two things here. If you go to the Premier Package all the way up to it, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime already included. And on this platform, Showtime is $11. That's direct TV stream. Okay. Okay. So for I mean, we might as well not, it's the elephant in the room, right? I mean, I'm not here to, you know, completely destroy fighters on the up and up. Um, You know what I'm saying? I just don't do that just randomly. You know what I mean? I try not to anyway. Um, But he didn't look good. I mean, for real, he he looked like shit. I mean, there's really no way around it. Um, You know, the first two rounds, I think round one I gave to Berlanga. You could make an argument that big right hand late in the second round by Rolls was good enough to give him that round. Um, Maybe he had a 2-0 for Berlanga. I don't know, but I did a close round in round three, another big right hand, but overall from Rolls, so – you know could you give that to rolls i don't know maybe if you didn't give him the one of the first two you give him that one um but really slow slow stuff um berlanga in the fourth early in that fight or early in that round landed a nice right hand um and then later in that round rolls did the same thing landed some some good rounds but once again just slow you know what i mean um rolls was just basically jabbing and moving And in the same time, Berlanga was having problems just landing a jab or just one punch. And if he landed the one punch, a jab or something, the follow-up, whether it's another, like a jab right hand or whatever, or a combination after you've landed the first one, the follow-up, he was having problems just landing one good shot to, to get it going. And... You know, following instead of cutting off the ring, just didn't look good. You know, I'm looking at my scorecard, round seven, I gave to Rolls as well. Uh, his jab, a few decent lands, that was good enough. Um, you know, I, I know I wrote down that, you know, Berlanga actually did jab okay that round, and he landed a late right hand, but I think as they flashed the punch rate 25 to 12, most of it was jabs there would be some nice counters, uh, you know, here and there, but not much from either guy really, but especially, uh, you know, from rolls. Most of it was just jab, like I said, a right hand counter once in a while, left hands. Um, in the eighth round, a little more assertive um, from Berlanga. I gave him that round. Um, But through nine rounds, when you look at the punch stats, Rolls actually landed 95 to 87. He was throwing 334 to 241. Now, Berlanga was 36% compared to 28%. Um, And, you know, it picked up a notch in the ninth and tenth, but still pretty slow, man. Two scorecards uh, red for 97, 93 for, for Berlanga, and then a 96, 94. I'm right in there, ninety six, ninety four, ninety you know, ninety seven, ninety. I don't necessarily think that Rolls won the fight. Just because I think someone, you know, underperformed, I'm not gonna just be like, Oh, and I can't give him the win now too, you know. I think he probably won, you know, but I don't know. You know, it sounds like he's going to be right back you know, first of all foremost the crowd. The crowd was a uh, sold out Hulu Theater. That's a good uh stepping stone to get to the big room, right, at Madison Square Garden, and they were there. Now, you heard some light booze at the end of it, which, you know, it's New York City. It, it happens. Um, but it was, I mean, considering how ready that crowd was to watch a good fight, man. I mean, that shit, that it just sucked. It, it was not a good performance. Not even the I've watched plenty of slow fights in my life, right not even that he was slow, he just wasn't being effective at all, like I said he couldn't he could barely land one good clean punch and then you know and he like i said the follow up even a one punch follow up like a one two and you know he just wasn't doing a whole lot. There was times like I said that he stepped it up minorly down the stretch, but overall it just you know, I, I I was not impressed whatsoever. Um, but you know, this is this is learning. You know, it's getting rounds. I mean, it's a lot better than him doing these first rounds because we're actually seeing. I remember a lot of people. Oh, put him in with this dude. Put him in with this dude. Put him with that guy. Put him in with uh, David Morrell Jr. He'll ice him. Not nah, not a lot of people are saying that. For honest, but. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, dude, this dude, you know, it's the hype machine. And sometimes, I don't know, sometimes it can get to you. Sometimes you're actually not what people are saying you were. You just kept knocking people out. Obviously, if he hit you square, he can hurt you. You know what I mean? He did that to plenty of uh, guys coming up. But, yeah, it's just overall not impressive. Very so-so outing, like I said. And it's Back to the drawing board. They're gonna have to. I mean, you want to move them laterally more than likely, right? I mean, you gotta move them laterally. I mean, you you can't get too out of hand, you know, um, because then all of a sudden, if there is something deep down there, then you're you know you're also I don't know you got a chance to to screw that up. But then again, you know, like I said, once you get up on this height level, and Fat Joe is talking about you on Instagram and. You know, which I'm cool. Snoop Dogg's cool with him. The dude obviously has some backing there, you know, and and he can spring into a guy that can sell some tickets and be a name, obviously. But push comes to shove, and I'm not saying how much longer can they milk it. I'm not saying that because they haven't, like, overly milked it yet. But – I just wonder how they're going to move him. Is it going to be laterally? Is it going to be like a half a step back for a fight or two? You know, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to be in the main event, you know, you have have to have some kind of good opponent, but, you know, you can't put him in over his head. I'm not asking for that. That's for sure. But in the same breath, people are going to start to go off the bandwagon, not necessarily the people that are going to buy a ticket for that are there right now, you know, buying tickets, but like overall, you can already start to see like, man, this is boring. Like he's not even cutting off the ring. He's not doing much, you know? So going to be really, I mean, the matchmakers as we know are excellent at top rank. They know how to develop you. They know how to get you to stages and that's kind of the most interesting part for me. It's like, man, I can't wait to see who else he fights this year and how he performs and not in necessarily a good way, if that makes sense. Like, I can't wait for his next fight. Right now, I don't feel that. That's not to say he can't knock people up still. And, you know, like I said, everyone has a different pace, right? Everyone has a different pace. And in the long run, these, these rounds are, are doing something but he's got to take a, a fight where he looks mediocre in and then bounce back and say, this is these three things he wasn't doing in his last fight. He came out and did two of them better or one of them better. You know what I mean? That's, that's what he's got to do because otherwise he was missing a lot, a lot of his power shots. Like I said, he's barely even be able to land his jab um, like effectively anyway. So on the flip side though, Xander, um, Zayas looked pretty damn good against, uh, Le, what is it, La Le, LaValez? Le, Le, I think it was LaValez. Uh, um, but Zayas, man, he came out, you know, applying some light pressure with a crisp jab, throwing fast combinations um, right off the bat, landing a few left uppercuts, um, big right hands. You know, just flush shot after flush shot, patient at range, like I said, kind of lightly pressuring and then picking that up. Um, I mean, the dude through four rounds had 116 punches left, you know. Um, then he brought out, I'd say midway through the fight, he started bringing out the left hand to the body, throwing more combinations. Then he brought that left hook to the head and the body, mixed it in there with uppercuts, I, triple left hooks we saw from the guy using an angles down the stretch. All of a sudden, he was Mister Angles. So, kind of giving a little bit of everything was Zayas. And like I said, I like this kid, man. What is he? Thirteen and zero now. He got a good eight rounds in. Um, scorecards read, you know, two two of them were eighty to seventy two. One of them eighty seventy one. But he looked damn good. Now I'm not saying, oh, oh man, he, you know this dude he fought was this was a huge test for him but you know he's only in his it's only going to be a sport team fight next time you know um so yeah this was a good outing a great outing and he just keeps putting them together and he's he's something special man and like i said it feels like it's not just coming at you even if it is light pressure like i mentioned and trying to knock you out he's got plenty of He's got some pop, he's got some, you know, punching power, but his variety on his shots, the way he mixes up his offense, the way he can, like I said, use those angles, pivot, and just be there but not be there, if that makes sense. He can land punches, but he's not taking a bunch uh, in return. So I, I definitely liked what I saw there. And then John Bauza uh, with Tony uh, Lewis. I, I had seen, I had seen. But I had seen Lewis as well. And so I was kind of intrigued in this one. Um, The first three rounds, I thought uh, Bowser was just busier. Um, Kind of jab and move, stick and move type stuff. Not doing a whole lot. Uh, I did give Lewis, although it was a little slower in the fourth round, I thought that he was applying some pretty good pressure as that I did think that in the fifth round, some good body work. Um, but he wasn't doing enough overall to, to clearly win the rounds. Um, later in the fight, there was some inside fighting that I thought, you know, I wanted to see uh, Bowser, you know, um, see how he did in that. Um, the sixth round, for instance, was a close round, but he landed the better shots at times on the ropes. not going to say overwhelmed, but didn't look all that great. Um, but like I said, I, I like the mixture of what was going on to give uh, Bowser, you know, a lot of look Or not a lot of looks, but some different looks. Um, I thought he was best kind of in his jab and movement with some nice left counters. You know, he was doing that pretty well. Um, so overall, he won the fight uh, cleanly. I only gave a couple of, like I said, the some close rounds. But I think the, the fourth and fifth, I did think Lewis actually did enough there. Um, good body work and whatnot, but um, really never looked like he was going to overtake the fight, but it was competitive and he got some rounds on it. So we'll see where uh, John uh, Bauza goes from there. Um, as far as, I mean, obviously, like I said, the probellum card, to be honest with you, like pro Gray, pretty easy win, right? Like they're, they, you know, to be fair, like, they're brand new. Uh, I don't expect a ton out of them right away. You know what I mean? So I'm not ripping them randomly or something like that. But uh, and it, they just signed a deal with, was it Discovery Plus? Or somebody else, I think. But, like, TJ, you know, Caesar Juarez clearly was shot. You know what I mean? Um, he was already on them early on with the second-round knockout wasn't much there um pro gray what was it six round tko um it was cuts that's right it did stop on cuts uh i think that's what it was either way look it's there was concern with the, the cuts i know that um mckinnon before that fight got stopped i did think like whether it was the fourth or fifth round i think it's the fifth round that he actually did uh He probably had his best round there, but still, Progray, you know, won most of their back and forth, you know what I mean? So, there wasn't much in that fight, if we're being honest. Um, But it was nice to see Regis Progray get back. Uh, Sonny Edwards in, what is it, was it Wazim? I think it was. Um, Wazim was cut pretty early in that. There was a lot of rough stuff (laughs) you know uh inside the ropes, so to speak, you no know, inside the trenches that's for sure um but wasim was you know he was holding a lot, he was kind of spoiling it a lot, rough housing um the referee, i think it was what the sixth round seventh round where he uh took away a point on Muhammad wasim um and it you know that could have been done pretty early um. Also, then he was leading... Yeah, he, he head-butted, didn't he? Yeah, he led with his head. Uh, so there's another deduction. Edwards basically just won the fight. It was, There wasn't much there. Um, I did think Lazim did some good stuff. Uh, maybe eighth, ninth round, got into the fight a little bit more, though. Um, and the scorecards read 116-110 and two one 111 So... Down the stretch, Wazim actually, you know, did. I was just kind of watching it. I didn't have my scorecard out. But it, I got to say, like, I'm watching the first chunk of it, and I'm like, I'm not even going to score this. But he did get back into it. You know, I'll say that. He did get back into it. Um, but, you know, not much there. But Sonny Edwards did get the dub uh, either way. Like I said, pro, pro grade did it. And TJ, really easy fight against Juarez. Um. What else happened? So um there was a WBC flyweight title, uh to to Raji or whatever. That was a like a I think third round knockout. That was impressive. Uh very impressive actually. Oh yeah, and then uh Rocha. Rocha with the ninth round KO. You know, just I don't know. Sometimes you know, I don't I don't mind personally you know the the shit talking of fighters, right? Sometimes it's over the top. Sometimes we know it's over the top, but it's still entertaining. Whatever, you know what I mean? It is what it is. Um, but there is something. About, I mean, Blair Cobbs is coming at some of the top guys like Spence. I think Spence called him what a thirty-one or thirty-three year old prospect, just messing with them. But you know, I'm not here to down. You know, to sit here and just rag on. Uh, you know, young. Not young fighters, but prospect fighters. But Rocha did his thing, right? He did his thing. Uh, it's back to the drawing board, I guess you could say, for Cops, um, because, like I said, he was talking so much stuff, and at some point, I know. Hey, you know the old empty, empty stomach, closed mouth—you don't get fed. I get that part. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that, but I don't know. You know what I mean? It just, I I think he had like his last one was a vet fighter. I can't, it was last year, uh, Solomon, Brad Solomon. You know, I remember watching a couple of unbeaten prospects that he beat. Uh, He had that draw a few years back. It's kind of weird because he's been a pro for a long-ass time, really. I mean, considering, I think it was 2013 or 14, and, you know, he only had 17 fights now. So, um, it is what it is. But like I said, after uh, Rashidi Ellis beat, in a competitive fight, by the way, over Rocha, um, it was nice, you know, it's nice to see him kind of building his way back, and, and this one got him a little bit more attention. So how great of a win it is, you know, we could argue that or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I, I sometimes you go, hey, man, maybe, you, sh- you know, maybe you shouldn't be worried about who's ducking you or who you think is ducking you, I should say. And maybe you should worry about Rocha first. But, hey, like I said, I'm a guy who doesn't sit there and – shy away from fighters that talk shit. It just, many other sports, you, you can talk shit, and then you got to follow it up. But, you know, like if you got a good offensive line, as a running back or a wide receiver or a good quarterback, that's going to help you. There's other, you know what I mean? If you got a great coach that puts you in a scenario, but in boxing, it's like, all right, you're talking all that shit. Now it's you and this other dude, and you're, you you look way past him. Like, beyond past time. So, don't get me wrong. I like his Jimi Hendrix vibe, his look, and his, you know, and, and something about him. But I just never took him all that serious is what I'm trying to say. I never really took him all that serious. I'm not trying to dog him out. But, you know, Blair Cobbs didn't do much for me per se. And, uh, you know, that that's how that goes. Now, who knows? Maybe he bounces back. And then when people kinda of write him off, all of a sudden he gets a big win, he's right back in wherever he was, top twenty or fifteen or twenty five or thirty I don't know where he was. But, you know, kudos to Rocha though. That that was uh that was a big win. I'm gonna go ahead and bring in a great boxing mind, John, in just a second here. Let he you know, I want, I really wanna hear what he has to say about Berlanga. Obviously, Zayas, some of this other action. But then we are going to preview and predict Tim Zhu, Terrell Goucher, uh, Gachier, however you say that, Riviera, Adorno. As long as Adorno can make you know a weight, <laughs> uh, that should be all action. Um, so we got some fights coming up. Warrington and in, in, uh, Martinez, the rematch from a few years back got some news out there it's not official or anything for June 5th in Australia but it really looks like Cambosis and Haney you know I gotta admit Eddie Hearn beyond like Joshua fights and some Kell Brook fights I mean don't get me wrong he he just put together uh you know Canelo just accepted his offer for Bibble so that's a big fight but we all know when it comes to his stable Especially Like cross promotion or make it big, you know, it's, he falls short sometime because he he's worried about his stable and he doesn't want to have them fight against each other. But then he, you know, will go after Jamal Charlo until the, the cows come home. But right here, I don't think Eddie could fuck this up because this shit's in his lap now him and Haney. There's no excuse because you already said he'd take the exact same offer. So there's no excuse. I don't expect there to be I I think Devin in in that side will take it I'm not claiming anything but Eddie better not start messing around here Um, but he did say like I said earlier we 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 did get the offer we're you know doing the normal you know looking it over he mentioned well you know there are some stuff that we want to maybe talk about or at least look at in the contract about rematch clauses and all that but when you've come out so many times and said we'll take the exact same deal. Well, I mean, wait a second. Wasn't it? No, this is just being reported. But wasn't it reported that there was actually a rematch clause? I, th- I think there was. But I think it was one-sided. I don't think Lomachenko had it. But either way, um, I don't know. We'll get some details on that as we go. But, man, Cambosis Haney. What an opportunity for Haney in his first big, big fight to get the undisputed. I mean, JoJo Diaz and some other fights. They're good. They're fine. They're good. The development. Big fight And Cambosis, Like I said earlier, shots out to him. I mean, it's not every you know every day that you go ahead and take a tough ass fight. Right after, you just pull the major upset, and you a lot of a lot of folks are just hey. I'm going to get this little, you know, this little whatever type fight, you know, just tune up at home, have some fun, and then I'll look to fight someone again that's big, you know. So kudos to him, man. But, yeah, there are some other items out there that we'll get to as the show goes on. But I'm going to shut up like that's possible. But I'm going to shut up and bring in John to the fold. What's going on, John? How you doing, man?
2: Hey, Chris. Great to be here as always.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, pretty much a ho home weekend. Um, you know, there were some good performances and all that. And I just mentioned that, you know, that knockout, uh, that we saw, you know, score, or oh, there's a couple of good knockouts actually, but Rocha knocking out Blair Cobbs, whatever. But let's start with that ESPN card. Um, Berlanga and Zaez were the, you know, the one and two, the main event co-feature, Let's start with Berlanga. What did you see against Stevie Rolls, who basically had like a some movement and a jab, and once in a while he countered, um, and Berlanga, just it just didn't seem like he could ever really get off much. What do you think of this fight, uh, and then where are we at with Berlanga as it goes on? Because he's going to fight again in June at uh, the Hulu Theater again.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll break that down and just tying into what you said about the overall weekend. And I guess since we had boxing on Christmas night this past year with uh, Neil Necky and Spencer on a card, we have to really say boxing's a fifty-two week a year sport. To be traditionally, unofficially, boxers got off the holidays and most of December, but why I mentioned that's not the case now. Why I wanted to just tie that in is I was kind of looking at this past weekend, like you were Chris. I mean, we, we follow everything and I I just didn't like, I didn't like this past weekend and overall and why I mentioned the 52 week thing is that I guess that's what we got to be thankful for as boxing fans. There's no off season now. And so you, you really can't expect every weekend to be good. And I just thought this past weekend wasn't good. As far as I was concerned, really, Rocha was the only guy that kind of kind of stood out and uh, really pumped himself up significantly. But let's get to Berlanga. Really, for his age of 22, uh, even though he's been a knockout artist until the last three fights, if you look at, relatively speaking, what ratings he gets when he's been on ESPN in recent fights, they are very good, especially for what stage of his career he's at and the age he's at. So, I think for that reason alone, you have to pay attention to him because he is a he is a player like that, and because of that, Top Rank and ESPN understanding it have put him into ESPN headlining slots. So that's kind of what got him there last Saturday night. Rolls, really his most credible opponent arguably to date and uh, I just I thought like everybody else Berlanga looked terrible but I think I had a little bit of a take on it than other people not all other people though I saw some did have the same take I'd say it was the minority but some did uh, first I think Rolls was in survival mode I, I think people got BS a little bit by the last couple of rounds Roll, Rolls was in there to survive You know, he fought the last couple – even though the fight was totally different and the circumstances, to me, and again, I've brought this one up before, but I just think it's a good example. It was, to me, again, a little bit like when John Ryder, in my take, when he fought Callum Smith, and he was coming forward. But we've seen Ryder do this before, including in a lot of the Jacobs fight. He He plods forward, but he really doesn't do anything. And he was doing that. You know, in, in all the early rounds, Smith wasn't doing that much either. And then all of a sudden it got to, like, the last two rounds. That was a 12-rounder, not a 10. But then Ryder kind of, like, woke up like, hey, you know what? This boogeyman's not really doing anything to me. Uh, I, I've been kind of hanging around here. Maybe, maybe I'll fight fight a few rounds here and uh, see what I can do. That's what I saw out of Steve Rolls Saturday night. Uh, not that Berlanga was doing that much, but I saw a survival mode Rolls. I wasn't buying into the takes I saw from some people afterward, and I did see them from a lot of the Canadian fans, Rolls, of course, being a Canadian. You know, we all humans have their biases. I saw some of those fans, well, Rolls was outboxing him, and this really was a close fight, you know, some going as far, I thought, you know, that way in outer space. Roll, Rolls could have gotten this decision. No, nah, he, he was in survival mode, and Berlanga was – marginally trying to make the fight. In other words, like you said, he wasn't cutting off the ring well. He wasn't that active like he'd been in the past, but he still was coming forward, trying to land power punches, and Rolls was just kind of in there to survive. Again, until the last couple of rounds, then Rolls kind of saw there was no boogeyman there, at least Saturday night, and started doing more. You know, Picked up a, picked up a couple of rounds there at the end to me, but uh, Berlanga What I didn't like a lot of people talking about the not jabbing not cutting off the ring I did see one or two people say this again I'd say minority but this was my thinking with him you know when he got all the first round knockouts I mean you know some of those better opponents they really weren't that much worse than the last threes had you know Um, he had what you know the Coseres and then he had Especially uh, like, the back Nichols end of before it before that. Right. Yeah. The back end of it yeah. So, I mean, right. That's what I mean. Like got those real early on guys, but I mean, like some some of the last few, I'm not saying they weren't right. worse, but not to me that much worse, but what was different. Sure. And, and a lot of people were kind of, I think this got into Berlanga's head a little too much and, and, and maybe even, I don't think it got in Rozier's head. Actually. I, I think, people were criticizing him. To me, he was getting it right. There was just too many corner voices there. And I think Andre Rozier is a good trainer. I didn't really get the criticism of him because I thought he was telling him, right. You know, Rozier was telling him, this guy's scared, you know, get on, you know, get on, you know, get on this guy, get on, get on him with some right. power. And that's what he was, I mean, he was just unloading on guys in the first round, you know, when he had that first round KO streak and you know, it was working, and then everybody was saying, understandably, well, this guy's getting no rounds. But, you know, my philosophy's become over the years, Chris, and, and I've talked about it on the show a lot recently. I'm starting to think it's kind of a relic that in the pro game, a lot of these early fights, you know, where these guys are not real competition, the rounds really don't mean that much anyway, you know. I, I think where it comes in with a guy like Berlanga, and, and you, you'll, you'll see some of the – the former pro fighters say and, and trainers. I don't disagree. I mean, it does give you a chance to see some different styles, or maybe if you do get tagged, to try to walk, you know, get out of being in trouble. But I don't. I don't think it gives you as much against this o- these overmatched opponents as people think. So, you know, he he, ha- he hasn't had many rounds. You got to keep that in mind total. But he's getting a more recent fights. I don't know if that's all it. I just think what he brings to the table it looks like uh, I did see some people saying this afterwards this is my thoughts not everybody's looking at it this way but this is the way I'm going to continue to look at it I saw one person say this this is what I concluded after because this is three fights in a row now this is just a guy he he's going to be better you know with a with a you know a, an all out style early on you know I mean yeah sure it's a it's a style where you crash if it doesn't work, but it was effective for him. I think it's most effective for him. I think we I think we actually have seen that enough in the last three fights. So, you know, he he needs to come out aggressively, throw a lot of punches. That's what I was disappointed in him. Is that it wasn't like he came after rolls and threw a lot of punches, whether he cut off the ring or not, and really was after a guy who was afraid of him. You know, he, he was just content to plod forward. Try to throw the right hand and you know see if he could just land you know land it, but not really open up. Um, I, I saw some people then speculate, well, maybe he was overtrained because the, the one thing that was consensus and that I agree with, he, he didn't look right. And I didn't treat it like he, he looked like an old fighter. I mean, the guy's only you know he's only 22, but he, but he really that's the way he was fighting. You know, he was fighting like an old power puncher, like. You know, he, he didn't have the energy to throw a lot of shots, and, and he was just going to plod forward and try to try to land an overhand bomb here and there. You know, you know he, he's at 168, and he's 22 years old. You know, I, I thought he was kind of fighting a bit like an old George Foreman without the jab, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, kind of throwing these power shots here and there. But old George Foreman was even more active than that, so – just the activity level was nowhere where it needed to be. I thought he won the fight easily in an unimpressive performance because Rolls was in survival mode until those last couple of rounds. But I wasn't any more impressed with the performance than anybody else. Berlanga, I saw himself, did say afterward, well, this guy was going to survive. I thought the guy was, but I thought Berlanga could have done a lot more. So. My take is not what a lot of people have here. Like, well, it's growing pains, and he's got to work on the jab. Yeah, I know he's only 22. I know he hasn't had that many rounds. But still, guy's a pro fighter. You know, he's had quite a few fights now, even though a lot of them have ended early. You know, you know, even though he's only 22, he's not going to change that dramatically. I mean, we've seen what his attributes are. When he's aggressive and he uses that power and good size for the weight class, he gets guys out of there. When he lets guys hang around, he's got problems. And you know, even going as far as to then in that last bout getting dropped late. So uh, that that gets to me to the old why why let these guys hang you know why let these guys hang around? But it wasn't as bad in the the, fight, the two fights before this as this one was. His aggression level and his punch rate was far down in this fight. And I don't think it was all because of what Rolls was doing. I'm I'm not buying into that one. I don't think Rolls was that slick. I don't think Rolls was boxing him that well. A little better late, like I said, when Rolls got more confident, seeing that Bern Lange wasn't doing any, anything. But uh, I, I think for me going forward, I thought Rozier was telling him right. I agree. Too many voices in the corner. I mean, you know, Kay Karoma's had a lot of great amateurs, and he's kind of good with that type of style. But, you know, he was in there too. I, you know, there, there are some examples lately of, you know, Hurd, Berlanga here. Um, you know, there, there's been some others where, you know, Karoma's work hasn't really seemed to, a jog, but, you know, Karoma's work hasn't really seemed to add that much. Uh, I don't. I don't know if he meshes style-wise with a lot of these guys. Um, that's something I'm looking at too. I mean, I, I don't, you know, like you, you saw it like with an job, but we, we, look at, and look at what is similar with those three is cuddle butt was, Oh, the, these guys need to box more. You know what I mean? They were aggressive punchers who were getting people out of there and they need to box more. So, you know, Kay Caron was going to train, you know, you know, be involved now and really has not worked out well. I mean, that's, that's three examples, so that's, that's kind of getting to be enough for me. Um, I'm the opposite of what other people are saying. I, I would think keep Rogier, go back to what you were doing, listen to Rogier, cut down on the voices in the corner, and, and get aggressive, get, get looking at getting guys out of there. You've got a New York base. You're popular. You're getting good ratings on ESPN. The popularity is going to wane if he doesn't get back to getting people out of there because that's what it was largely built on. So that's becoming really a necessity. But then, like you said, Chris, I was, I was listening to you kind of, you know, break everything down as always before I came in, and it's always a good question, you know. So where does he go? Where does it end up? The thing you always benefit from nowadays, and and this is you know, probably something I hate most about boxing nowadays is, and like you said, top rank knows how to do this. They normally do it with the WBO. That's obvious. And, and, you know, they all do it with their favorite alphabets. I mean, you know, know, all they got to do is do a strip tease of Canelo under some excuse. Yeah. We know we got this interim interim thing and I don't even care about these belts, but these are for some people. You just can't talk out of it. You can't talk about it. And the promoters, They'll use them to sell to those people. We know that. So, um, you know, okay, so that's an interim, whatever that is. You know, what the hell is a WB interim when Canelo just won the WBO title? What are we interming? Interming, you know? It's it's absurd between Parker and Andre. So, but I'm just saying who knows where that leads, and they could always do a strip tease. What, what what I'm getting to here is if, if we were looking in boxing in a different era, you might – and any not that then they didn't try to protect people and stuff they did but you know you would think sooner or later in those eras you know Berlanga's got to run into somebody you know if he wants to get a recognized as a real champ and fans then are really mostly just recognizing one true champ and left weight classes so there's no there's no place there, the places weren't there to hide what I'm getting to is now they can just do a strip tease you know he he can be fighting for WBO interim himself or. Or you know against some nobody that that top rank pays you know peanuts to, and then they'll be calling him a world champ. So the show the inevitable showdowns not not necessarily there nowadays if people are going to keep buying into this alphabet nonsense. So I don't know you know what I'm saying is I don't know if he'll end up fighting anybody. You know what I mean? Like it, it might just level off and and an alphabet bell will become a tab. And the opponents may not increase much for a while unless there's so much money there it's got to be made. Because one thing you and I can look at, knowing the the way these landscapes work, I mean, if he's going to stay at 168 pounds with with the way we know all the promotions work, who would they have him fight anyway?
0: Yeah,
2: that's the next
1: question, isn't
2: it? I mean, they they cut Jesse. Jesse Reed's calling him. I mean, um, yeah, Reed's... um, the Hart. Jesse Hart's been calling him out, but they cop-ranked I mean, cut Jesse Hart, so you know, I mean, they don't even, I'm not saying that he could beat Hart, but I'm just saying that's not available even. I mean, it's not an in-house anymore, um, and they'll go, out, I think they'll go out, they'll go out of house if, if if they just pay the other opponent peanuts, and that's that's where they come up with this alphabet stuff. I mean, who, who knows who the hell they might pull out uh, for some kind of WBO thing down the line, but that's that might be where it's headed. Um, but, but if it's going to head that way, at least they better get him back to knocking people out.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. He's ninth, uh, as of right now, anyway, he's ninth in the WBO and he's 13th in the WBA. So yeah, you're right. He's got a, he's got a ways to go. Um, you know, I mean, I guess you could make an argument there's a little bit more, you know, um, action for him up at 175, but then, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I I think it'll be kind of, like you said, just kind of laterally. Maybe you could make an argument like a half a step back, but then just move laterally from there. And, yeah, I don't know. It does does kind of feel that way.
2: You gave me an idea, though, because we have to look forward. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I don't even have a pick yet. I might pick him. I haven't decided yet, but let's make up a scenario because they are connected to it. You've got a good point. and And there, that's the other thing we don't know. I mean, maybe Berlang is having trouble making the weight. I wouldn't blame it all on that, but it's possible. He is a big guy. Um, sure. Let's just say, let's make up a scenario. Um, Joe Smith takes on Beter biev and turns out he's, he's not up to the task. He gets blown out. Well, you know, could, could they then move him up to 175 and have him Joe Smith fight Joe Smith coming off or getting blown out? Well, you know how that goes, even though, with joe smith even if he would have maybe gotten blown out he still can punch so they might not you know they might not want it i mean they're both from new york you know i mean but they, they might not want it. i don't know if they'd want to do something like that but you know would they would they feel confident enough let's say you know if, if joe smith if it went badly against Peter 2 or something like that i you try to think of these ideas, because these, these could be fights that, which I do like, I do like what Top Rank's doing there. You know, they're putting these fights on regular ESPN, and that's good for the fans and good for the sport. So, you know, if Berlanger were to move up and he he'd fought maybe the loser of Beter b Evan Smith or something like that, heck, that'd be a great ESPN fight, and they've been doing that. But, again... Both of those guys are punchers, so I, I, I just I don't know if they want Berlanga going there. I would think probably not, but Top Rank cuts guys too, though. So why why I just say that is, I mean, unless maybe they think it's getting you, you know, maybe they're not liking the way it's looking or something like that. You, you know, you never know with them. But I think Berlanga's getting good enough ratings and sales that he, he's going to be around for a while.
1: Yeah, and you know he keeps talking about they need to back up the brink You know, the Brinks truck In my next fight, and it's like, well, hold on, dude Like, you know, like You're not, you're not putting 10,000 in the MSG just yet What do you mean they gotta back up the Brink Brink truck, you know, so It'll be interesting to see how that All plays out, but Yeah, you're right on Rolls, I mean um, Beyond just the jab and Light movement He wasn't given any kind of uh, Crazy slick You know, stuff and he was trapped on the ropes plenty of times and just that's what kind of bugged me It's just like well Berlanga, why don't you get off on him then you know it, it maybe he is trying to just even when it came to a jab John maybe he is just trying to land that one good punch you know and and that that's natural for a puncher, uh, especially how many first round you know knockouts he had but you you make a good point like maybe the fight about rounds you know and actually learning from him. Maybe a fight before a big fight where he actually went 10 or 12 rounds. So you got to go the rounds just so you know you can do it because you got to get in that eighth round and get tired and then push through and be come back in the ninth, tenth, eleventh, you know, all that stuff and face adversity and all that. Maybe he will really good rounds, uh, you know, soon enough or maybe not soon enough. I kind of misspoke there, but right before a big fight. And that can. I guess my point is that can actually do exactly what we're talking about, how older fighters or, you know, years ago, not even that long ago. it just the depth of boxing was better. So literally in your ninth fight, I remember uh, like looking at Sugar Ray Leonard's fights, right? And, and, you know, they used to do that. uh, uh, What they used to do on uh, ESPN Classics where they sit down and talk about the career. What the hell is that called? with Bert Sugar and a couple other people I don't were yeah, doing I don't know. The classic yeah. stuff and and they would describe the guys that he's in there with and you look it up on your own too. I mean and obviously someone like you knew you know, knew the person they were fighting per se, but you would actually get good rounds, you know? And you'd have to go even if you look at Mayweather's pops uh, against uh Leonard Leonard had to go finish that fight, you know, Mayweather may, was showing him looks that actually helped him, and, and was a little difficult, and, and I remember Ray Leonard always says, if I ever fought Floyd Mayweather, I just, I just, like, you know, Junior, I'd just hit him on the top of the head, you know, I'm not trying to get this perfect shot, and just try to, nah, dude, he's just too good for that, I'm gonna hit him on the top of his forehead enough, and then we'll we'll change the fight that way, instead of just trying to aim these perfect shots, but... Yeah, you're right. A lot of these early fights, even if it is a guy that we've seen in the ring with Triple G (laughs) for not long, right? Yeah, you wonder how much this is just keeping fighters, you know, kind of in quicksand at at some time, some of them, where they're not getting better because it's not really doing much for them. Uh, But that all kind of comes back to then either throw more punches and try to get this guy out or get the guy out. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think of the undercard. You can go a little further off of what I just said if you want to do.
2: Okay, yeah, no. Uh yeah, undercard, um good example cuz I think we're on to something and we've been talking about it in recent weeks. It's worth bringing up again. Um so on this ESPN undercard, you know, Berlanga's a New York guy. He's fighting in New York obviously, you know, you want East Coast ratings for that. Now, I, I understand, and, and a lot of people don't get this about TV, a lot of times they want to counter-program something else. You know, ESPN doesn't have the NCAA tournament, so they're looking for counter-programming types of things. But but this card was starting late anyway. So, you know, what I'm saying is you're appealing to largely – I mean, they, they don't have the excuse on this one that, well – you know this this fight's in California, and it, 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 it was its fighters appealing to a West Coast audience. This is the exact opposite. You know this is a guy from New York fighting a Canadian. They're fighting in New York, and he's gotten good ratings. Why are we seeing Bowser do do a dull distance fight, leading off the you know in this modern parlance that this is stuff they've taken from UFC, and I understand. That with the way you broadcast now, maybe you need some of the stuff, but you know the main card, uh, you know. So that's what people are used to now. You know, why, why is Bowser on the main card on ESPN? I mean, he he he's not that kind of a prospect. Um, you know, you know that that was a waste of momentum to me. That was a dull fight, um, you know. And you had to, and Jaius is a great, a legitimately great prospect. I mean, you you go right to. I mean, you gotta update, you gotta adjust I mean, it should have gone right to Berlanga And then flip it Things gotta change sometimes You gotta just put the other fights on after that Or then, you know, don't show somebody like Bowser And maybe you have Zayas, then Berlanga But, uh, no reason for that Bowser fight To take up that time Um, you know, Berlanga, again Another one of these fights He was fighting after midnight on the East I mean, to, you got to say that, that. That's what people are forgetting. You know, some of these guys who are drawing, relatively speaking, pretty good ratings. Like, I mean, if Berlanga was fighting at nine o'clock, you know, on the East, I mean, you know, his, his ratings might might be very high. I mean, that's what people are forgetting. All these. I mean, these fights are so late in the East, where the major population bases are, and you got a lot of boxing tradition, uh, or you you had in the past, that you're really missing opportunities. So like we said, I, I just. You know, I think people need to know what time these fights are going to start, including undercard fights, and, and they got to be better with the order they're putting them on. There was no need for that Bowser fight to be on. I mean, that, that wasn't you know an impressive performance, impressive fight uh, on that. Zayas, I'm with everybody else. I like him a lot as a prospect. Uh, you know, Lavier, Le, Le, he, uh, he is a slick guy. You know, when, we, he ended mini run that Clay Collard had. And uh, he is a, uh, he's a pretty relatively slick boxer for that level. He was kind of in survival mode as well, though. Um, And, you know, I think that was a little tough on Zayas there. I think, like you said, Zayas, good power, good punch variety. But, you know, one thing I think is one of the most, and I saw this with Berlanga and Zayas on the negative side. Um, one of the things I think when you're evaluating a fighter on the way up, probably one of the most underrated things and, and it's a skill. And, and it doesn't matter necessarily if you're fast or not that fast, but you know and, and how it develops. you could have a lot of theories. but some fighters are, are good at it and devastating with it. And some fighters aren't good who even fighters who have power, and that's punch accuracy. And even though they were fighting guys that were more defensive more in survival, I didn't like. I wasn't crazy about Zayas' accuracy on on Saturday night. That was one thing that did Tim a real lot. He's very young, and I still think he's a top prospect. I'm with every everybody else. He's fighting a difficult guy. I'm going to give him that. I gave him, you know, give him that in that going the distance. But did see a little bit a little bit of problems with accuracy with him, and I definitely saw with Berlanga. Even when Berlanga was loading up on the right hand, wasn't really landing it solidly in the right spot and you know of course in all-time great you talk about him but it's funny George Foreman even a lot of times you think of him for throwing those wild bombs and, and you know he would miss some of them but when, when you watch some of those Foreman knockouts young and old and, and you look when he's got a, a he's zeroed in on a guy and you start seeing those you know, a guy throwing that kind of thunder landing on the button like that accurately, where he wants where he wants that thing to land, even as wide as it might be looking, and it's scary. And you know, the, the the great fighters are like that. You know, like Sugar Ray Leonard, of course, when he you know one of the greatest finishers really of all time in his prime. You know, when you saw him finish people. You know, Tommy Hearns. Uh, you know, you know those, those guys are accurate. I mean, you know when those got Duran. You know when that you know think of Duran hitting Barkley with that combo. When when he dropped him, you know, when he was 37 years old. I mean, you know, when Gil Clancy talked about the surgeon going to work, I, I didn't see I didn't see surgeons going to work Saturday night with Berlanga or Zaya. So that was yeah. I had that criticism of both of them. I mean, the accuracy wasn't there like I like. Uh, Zayas, of course, has much more variety than Berlanga. Really, over the long haul, it looks like the better prospect, and I like Zayas. I'm like everybody else. I'd probably like him you know, better at this point, but he was a little inaccurate too. And he was in with a boxer as well, a kind a of guy, guy in survival mode. But I still, even with that, I kind of was not that crazy about the accuracy.
1: That's fair. I thought he looked pretty good, but um, you know, with prospects, you know, we got, we just got to keep um, seeing how he progresses. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, anything else from, from the weekend, obviously that pro bellum stuff was pretty much one-sided. You had the, uh, you know, Alexis Rocha with the knockout and whatnot, but any any other items you want to touch upon till we get, uh, you know, started on this preview for the
0: weekend?
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I did tweet out that I thought Rocha won the weekend. I wanted to give just him props on that. You know, of course, he already had a loss. He, he's a young guy, but, but lost to Rashidi Ellis' uh, unanimous decision. But uh, this was a, kind of a, you know, still young, good bounce back for him. I, I never thought much of Cobb's talent. I, I don't actually even criticize him with the talk and, and the antics. I mean, the, the guy, he's entertaining, but he just never he just never looked talented to me. I, I didn't even really consider him a really a prospect. Um, but with that said, Rocha did the job and got the KO. I want to give him props. I wanted to say he won the weekend because, you know, he kind of – and, you know, that was a fight that was pretty close in odds, closer than a lot of the other ones in the weekend. So you got to give him more props there for getting the job done as well. And, you know, he got his guy out of there. You know, he did show a lot of accurate punching, especially late in that fight getting that KO. And and that's the kind of thing you want to see. He's only 24. So there's a guy that really upped his stock over the weekend. Give him credit. Um, now they're, they're both, you know, golden boy on his own. But to me, this is kind of like almost where you missed an opportunity too. Like, you know, Cobb's was making himself entertaining. They were showing him stuff. You know, he's still undefeated technically, of course. But then he, you know, he loses to Roche. He gets stopped. Like. It almost, to me, for entertainment value, like, like that was kind of like a missed opportunity, like say that, you know, they've got Virgil Ortiz. I mean, of course, Virgil Ortiz is going to blow him out. But, you know, wouldn't that have been kind of a good main event just to kind of have people entertained? And, you know, they could see, could see Ortiz tracking Cobbs down and Cobbs provides pre-fight entertainment. In other words, mm-hmm. you know, Cobbs will, Cobbs will just fall to the also-ran kind of level, probably not even experienced yeah. the real Ever be a gatekeeper or anything like that. So it's it's kind of like you know kind of a missed opportunity to me. Like you, you built this guy up a little bit. He wasn't a real prospect. People could see through it, but he got on people's radar. He's entertaining. To me, like cash him cash him out in something bigger than this. That that's the thing. Like I would have liked to seen him. And you know, look how bad that dude looked. I mean, I would have liked to seen him get that McKinson shot. Now there was a dispute there. He was saying he wanted it, and McKinson's camp turned it down, and McKinson's camp saying right. the opposite. But I think that's got to be touched on, because for me, I don't want to let him escape, because I was saying this, you know, Chris, we've been doing this a while now, and we talk about all these fights as they happen. I mean, you know, I said that a while back. I mean, McKinson, you can't have that low of a KO percentage at welterweight. That's not that's not a world-class fighter. It's, and people are like, no, no, he no, when it's that low at that weight class, I mean, the guy's got two, the guy's literally got two KOs. I mean, that's, you're not, it's not a world-class fighter in, in, you know, the old, we don't have that term around anymore and you don't have to go back to old terms, but it's worth bringing up because we don't really have this anymore. But like, I liked, I liked it. I think it's useful for terming certain guys. Now they'll be talking Elite or non-elite, and that's kind of unclear, A-class, C-class, but people don't necessarily know what that means. The old parlance, you know, you'd call the guy a club fighter. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, McKinson to me, you know, if this was 1980, I don't care if he's undefeated. I mean, you just say, this guy's a club fighter. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not a world-class level guy. And you saw Martin was in with him. Martin did nothing. I mean, I, I, in McKinson's defense, I thought he won the fight easily. I didn't know what the announcers were talking about, even though he was terrible because the other guy, he wasn't doing anything much effective at all. And the other guy was doing nothing. You know, he wasn't on short notice, but he didn't make the weight. And, you know, obviously he was just in there then to go the, the distance. I mean, he actually stung. He's not a puncher either. Stung McKinson. I did, thought he actually stung him a bit on a couple of occasions. Uh, maybe you give them those rounds, but that, but that, but that was about it. I, I agree with McKinson. I didn't see any call by the commentary for saying that that thing was particularly close or should have been close on the cards. But McKinson was terrible. Uh, and, you know, he was, okay, people want to keep saying, oh, different opponent, different style. But, come on, he, he was training for Virgil Ortiz. Sure, the style is different, but it's not only about that. In other words, he was prepping – for the fight of his, yeah, he life. was
1: fully focused. But, you'd hope. Yeah, he
2: was. He was fully focused. He had a full training camp. You know, it was all geared up for this. And and you got to get back to the alphabets. I mean, how how is this guy highly? Oh, I mean, we know how, but I mean, I'm saying it rhetorically. Right. Uh, how is right. this guy rated higher in the alphabets? If he wasn't rated highly in the alphabets, you know, it, it snows those people who buy in the alphabets. People that. No better aren't snowed by it, but you know the, you get these alphabet fans. I don't know what else to call them. I mean, they'll be like, "Oh, but he's rated this in the WBO." Yeah, but we know that's corrupt. We look at their ratings; they've literally rated dead people. These alphabet organizations. I mean, you <laughs> no know, joke. So, so what? Yeah, so what? I mean, even though I still think he's an excellent fighter, doesn't matter. He had one loss. I think he's better than the guy – got to keep this in perspective. He's better than the guys that are actually rating behind him. But with that said, we do know the corrupt part. I mean, that Virgil Ortiz is now the number two WBO 140-pounder. I just bring that up because, to me, people can't get confused. Virgil Ortiz is better than those other guys, and he'd probably knock them all out, but – we know with all these too many weight classes and everything, he hasn't been fighting at 140, and WBO's got him number two. I bring that out just because – and nobody's ever heard of the guy. Nobody knows who the hell the guy is who's rated number one ahead of him. So, you know, it's a joke. That's, that's my point. So, like, if you tell me Michael McKinson is a WBO highly rated welterweight, I'm saying, so what? The alphabet will tell you anything. Look at the guy fight. I mean, look at the guy fight. What would Virgil Ortiz have done to that guy Saturday night? And he would have annihilated the guy. That's not being unfair. And I agree with McKinston, Ortiz didn't show up. That is true. I mean, I can't actually fault the guy for that. He was here in the U.S. Ortiz didn't take the fight, but his camp's got to know. I mean, that's a that's that's his version of a cash out. I mean, come on, you know, with that with that alphabet ranking, and and I'm just saying that. You know, if people start saying this guy should be fighting for alphabet titles down the road, I mean, come on. Come on just watch watch the guy fight. The guy's got two KOs. I mean, it's He's he just what the He's third in the WBO. The, the Walter Waite division is the toughest division in boxing. So I would throw this out to any alphabet fans out there. How the hell is this guy number three in the WBO? And, and and don't tell me the nonsense because it's insane, right? Oh, well, they don't rank the other organization's champs and they don't rate a guy if he's WBA regular. But that's what's a joke. I mean, this guy is not the third best welterweight in the world. It's the toughest division in boxing. He's not even in the ten best welterweights in the world. He's not even close. So stop the nonsense. So that that's my rant about what I saw there on uh, Saturday night. And i just add on there that um, – I, I, I sensed it with a lot of the hard let's face it, most of the people on Twitter, almost all of them are hardcore fans that tweet about boxing. You may disagree with them, but they're legitimately hardcore. And I, I sense people are tuning out now on these undercards. You're starting to actually see a little bit of a consensus where people are saying, I can't sit there you know, I mean you gotta like, right. you know. I can't sit there. Not I didn't bring up McKinnison. <laughs> I,
0: did,
2: I didn't I yeah, didn't bring right. him
1: up with my recap, no, I- think about it you know and i
2: can't blame you because i want to forget about that fight i want to forget i saw it but, but but i i thought i wanted to make sure i was right about the guy and you know because people they were they were advocates they got quiet after saturday night but he had advocates before that well his, his ko percentage is deceiving how's it deceiving the guy's got two ko's in over 20 fights he's undefeated so it's going to be the craftiest
1: in in the it was going to be the craftiness that was going to give Ortiz something to think about. I remember seeing that, too.
2: Right, right. It was the craftiness, and, and he was going to steal a decision, and Ortiz would have to worry about it. And I mean, Ortiz just would have walked right through this guy because Ortiz is an aggressive power puncher who has amateur pedigree. So he's not some stiff who doesn't have – or some guy who's just crude without a pedigree. So, you know, in other words, he he's not going to have trouble – tracking him down and figuring him out. I mean, that would be for some guy who had power. Like, I mean, this wouldn't actually happen. So it's kind of a bad example, It shows you uh, how little McKinson brings, but like, that would be like a Connor Ben. you know, a guy who might have some power, but has no amateur pedigree. But I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I just think Connor Ben, even Connor Ben would walk right through McKinson, you know? So, uh, he just, doesn't have, he just doesn't, doesn't have enough. And all you got to look at is the names on, on his record, who he's beaten. And, you know, that, that speaks for itself, too. But number number three, WBO, it's just crazy. But as we've been saying, I think it was a good weekend to bring it up because I, I did sense it from hardcores with both the ESPN Plus undercard and the DAZN undercard. These are not fights that people can sit through waiting to see maybe the one guy they really want to see. where they don't know when it's going to be on, you just, can't, you just can't sit there for hours. So that's got to that's got to change. I think um, the zone ESPN Plus when they're doing that they they gotta they gotta got make an adjustment there.
1: Yeah, anyone making the the top of the card the triple header as it once used to be called um, it needs to be some sort of real fight, some sort of real test, some sort of mid level yeah comeback fight for both of them. Whatever it, it can be a mixture of stuff. Of course, it's not just one thing. Because you're not going to be able to do that. you got to do everything. If you're a promotional company that has to deal with the one platform, you got to be able to do everything. So uh, we get that part. But if once you get to the top of the card, that triple header range, uh, you know, it should be uh, there should be at least two out of three fights where you go, okay, that'll be interesting. Um, all right. Speaking of interesting, we do have a variety of interesting fights this weekend as we preview. Uh, you know, there's – fights March 25th, too. But March 26th on a Saturday, here in Minneapolis, Tim Zhu and Terrell, Gachier, Goucher, uh, Riviera, and Adorno, which, you know, if they make it to the ring, has a chance to be really, really fun. Prospect Elvis Rodriguez against Juan Jose Velasco. Um, There is some... I think they're going to try to stream some undercard stuff. I know Joey Spencer some other Uh, fighters are on i'm pretty sure they're going to try to stream that on showtime on the youtube channel uh from my understanding and also uh, on the zone the rematch from a couple years back live in leeds uh in over there in the uk josh warrington and kiko martinez which a couple years back it actually was a very competitive fight is one of those fights that i was like I i actually downgraded warrington a tad for that being a tight fight. I guess beating a Frampton who wasn't in his prime anymore kind of put me on the other side of that, where I'm like, oh, wow, there is something here. I missed it. And then all of a sudden now, he, you know, where Lara slowed that down. So it's kind of interesting and kind of fun. Uh, and then Kiko Martinez just coming out of nowhere, who this guy's been, you know, ran around the block a whole bunch. So that was pretty cool for Kiko. But that's an interesting fight, no doubt. Let's start at the top of the card for showtime tim zoo uh taking on a veteran guy uh right now he's 20 and oh is tim zoo he's making his american debut uh his last fight was uh late in the year november december against inue that won the distance but before that names like uh dennis hogan and jeff horn um You know, he was on a a nice little knockout one, two, three, four, five-in-a-row streak. Like I said, he went the distance with uh, Inoue Takeshi uh, or whatever that guy's name was. But it was still a good performance overall. I got to say, though, you know, we talk about this platform stuff. We wish we could talk about it less, but this is reality. This is what we're dealing with. Um, And we said when this fight was going to be made, we've talked about um, Tim... A couple of times now since you've been joining, you know, having your segment and, you know, we were wondering how he was going to be moved, you know, were they going to keep in an Australia and try to, they kept talking about the $10 million that they had for somebody. But, you know, I know Tony Harrison didn't say it was 10 million. You know, there's a couple of like, are you sure that you're going to do that? I don't know. Not to say that they couldn't, but, you know, we just didn't know what their plans were. Where, were and especially when he's a 154 pound fighter which obviously we know who has the talent there and in the world of the plant form wars I guess you could say um, it's all about acquiring or having some sort of relationship with representatives of fighters at that at said weight class you gotta really do your due diligence and get as many guys and then develop guys on the up which you can see Heyman now is doing, you know, they had a run. I think it started like 2016 on Showtime when it was Laura and both Charlo brothers. And ever since then, there's been a ton of matchups at 154, whether it was on Showtime or FS1 or Fox or whatever. Um, And, you know, we're starting to see the second wave come up now. And obviously at the top of that, you know, the top of the weight class is a rematch coming in May. Uh, Castano and Charlo looking forward to that fight. But we were wondering how, were they going to milk them? We just talked about Berlanga. Were they going to milk them? Were they going to just wait, wait, wait and see? Were they going to try to win a purse bid? You know, that type of thing. Um, They made a decision to do some form of partnership with the PBC and fight here. And this was supposed to be the co-feature of that fight, Castano. Uh, for the undisputed Castanio and Charlo, too. And then we know uh, Castanio got hurt, and so he got pushed back. But I'm really, really happy that him and his team made the right decision, what's best for his career. It's not about, oh, it's the PBC. and you know It's, it's, it's the weight class and what's best for his decision. So here he is about to make his American debut, and I'm kind of spoiled because it's right here uh, in my backyard.
2: Oh, yeah, Chris, credit credit to you and the the people of the Minneapolis area for, you know, getting the armory there built up to be uh, a a great boxing venue in in this era where the fans getting real into it. It, You know, I've said it before when we've talked about it. It looks great on TV. It's got that kind of atmosphere. You, You like to see that kind of old. Fight club feeling atmosphere, which is great uh, since boxing is a traditional sport. So it's great for Minneapolis to be getting these bigger and bigger cards. Uh, this is the biggest one yet. And I can say, you know, how, how we see lots of bizarre things in the boxing community, boxing Twitter, and these takes that, that are strange that'll oh, come yeah. up. Oh, one, of, one of the strangest ones I've seen in the last two weeks has to be the why is this in Minneapolis? Yep. Take. they don't deserve not this, they're and, not that
1: they're happy that the fight got made john nope the first yeah. thing they're going to say is venue
2: it was just 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 ah now if somebody wants to say well you know if they want to just make a, a business debate about a vegas site team,
0: sure sure i yes, get yes. that
2: but but this was not yes. the take this was just why is this fight being placed in minneapolis wasn't saying it needs to be in Vegas because of financial concerns. It was. Right. Why is it in Minneapolis? It shouldn't be there. It should be somewhere. Just, just bizarre. So, right. um, you know, Minneapolis is coming across real good like that. I'm happy. I'm ecstatic. You know, as as you seem to be about what Zoo's doing. I'll be for the first to say. And I and I was thinking the same thing. That's what I did mean with Berlanga. I thought Zoo was definitely taking one of those kind of routes. He, he shocked me. I mean, I thought the tape the play for them was going to be well, you know, he's just Costa zoo's son. He might not be that good. He's got a big name in Australia. You know, we're, we're going to fight uh, in, in Australia and, and maybe just keep fighting some fighters from the Pacific region. And we'll play the WBO alphabet game and, you know, they'll, they'll strip either Castanio now or the Charlo Castanio winner. And, and we don't need to get into this mix. And that that's, Totally, what I expected to happen because he's been fighting non-punchers, and you know, I just thought they don't want this guy to be in with a puncher. No matter what they're saying, they don't really have that much belief. Uh, because you know, even though Jeff Horn got that, he got that decision over Pacquiao. I, I thought he lost the fight. He was out on his feet in the ninth round. Why it's worth mentioning here is, you know, relatively speaking. I mean, I, I just don't think Jeff Horn really could fight, <laughs> and and I thought that. From the beginning, just watching them fight. Uh, you know, even in the Pacquiao fight, we got to see performance. He had welterweight size on Pacquiao, but he took a lot of shots himself. I don't know how prepared Pacquiao was. Why I'm saying that is, you know, when I'm looking at who Tim Zoo's blown out to this point, I mean, Jeff Horn, who's not that great of a puncher, uh, Hogan, who can't punch at all, uh, then way, who's not a puncher, hasn't beaten anybody. Uh, these guys to me were, were not, you know, dangerous. I mean, you know, I think, and I thought the same. I got to admit, we we knew so little about what zoo might have um, because he had in his amateur time, he, he had times where he didn't, he didn't fight for a few years. I mean, he was just actually off for a few years. He stopped, stopped boxing. So, you know, you know, he had a big break in there and, but you know, you did. I, I got to say, in blowing out Horn, you started saying, well, this, this guy's got some offense. He's got more than Horn. And then, you know, same with uh, with Hogan. You know, you're saying, well, at least this guy's got some offense. And like you said, in a way, even though he didn't take him out, he could dominate, no problems with him at all. Uh, he's still showing good pop. Um, thought, thought, though, that they'd just keep playing it safe in Australia. So I was surprised to see this. Now, you know, what some people say, the contrarian's, you know, well, John, which, which I have been saying, and don't back off from it, Zou's been in with non-punchers, and now he's fighting Grosche. You know, Grosche, throughout his career, has been defensive and hasn't been able to crack an egg. That's true, but you do have to say this. The guy is a U.S. Olympian. He's got real amateur pedigree, uh, and he was not punching hard, make no mistake about it, defensive. And even though he was defensive in this fight, though, he hurt Erickson Rubin badly late in that fight didn't follow up but he hurt him bad and then he comes back out with this performance that comes out of nowhere in a close odds fight and he takes on uh germante clark who had had the draw with Fandora, the only blemish on Fandora's record and he he blows him out um now, I've, I've learned from all my years of watching boxing, and one of the most recent examples that I would say would be Victor Postal. He, he KO'd a guy who was somewhat durable. PC. He wasn't a puncher before that, and he, wasn't, he hasn't been a puncher since. So you really don't develop punching power. I can understand that argument saying, well, Roche had those last few performances, but he still can't punch. But still, he's coming off the best punching he's done in his career, And he's got amateur pedigree. So even if he just goes back to his non-puncher self, he's got amateur pedigree. He's never been stopped. So with Zoo making, to me, this shocking decision to come to the U.S., I love it. Uh, Good opponent for this situation, you know, because at least the guy's coming in off, showing some power he hasn't shown, and he's got the amateur pedigree. He's tough to hit. And he's... so. I think it's you know it's intriguing. I like to keep looking at it that way. It's, it's Zoo making his U.S. debut. It's a good enough opponent to make it intriguing, and it makes it very interesting to me. That's good matchmaking where there's just things there that entertain you. And what I would add too is, you know, Costa Zoo, you know, fought in the U.S. enough, made a relatively big name over here. I mean, remember there was a time where he reached a point where. They were talking, you know. That's when USA Today used to still cover boxing quite a bit, and they were talking about him possibly moving up to welterweight and being a De La Hoya opponent. You know, he he, he you know fought on fought on HBO, you know, fought on Showtime. He he made a, a reasonably big U.S. name. So, you know, when when you know Tim Zoo comes over here, it's not like he's known like he is in Australia, that kind of popularity. But you know, it, it's not an unknown name here. So, uh, you know, and Tim's to me, is saying all the right things. And he obviously believes it because he's here. He's saying, hey, look, if you really want to make it, this is him talking, you know, you've got to make it in the U.S. You know, that, that, that's where the big stuff is. That's where, you know, where the glory is. That's where the money is. If I really want to make it, i got to do it in the U.S. So I wasn't expecting it at all with the 154-pound guys that are there with PBC, like Castanio, like Jamel Charlo and others, Fondora and Lubin, are going to fight. Um, there, there's there's tough opposition there. So you, you really got to give the guy a lot of credit. Even if he crashes and burns Saturday night, which um, I don't think he will against Gaucher, but I still like the effort. I still like the attempt. I'm not going to consider it a bad move. I mean, the guy's really going for it. And, and that makes it intriguing. So I, what's going to happen then? I think... Again, what boxing history tells me is that despite what Gauthier's done recently, he won't continue to be a puncher, so he will fit in the mold of, of the guy who doesn't have the offense to test Zhu's chin. Uh, he, he'll be tougher to hit. He's very defensive, um, and Zhu should have too much offense for him but probably won't be able to stop him. But what will make this fight interesting is since Gauthier does have that amateur pedigree, if, let's say, that punching power does show up again, I, I don't think it will, but if it does, then we get to see zu 's chin get tested a little bit, which we haven't seen yet, and see how he responds and if he can keep. In that sense, I do see a similarity with him and Conor Ben. I mean, Zeus now taking the big leap. Ben hasn't, but it's both of them we haven't seen yet, you know, Connor Ben already yeah. has been dropped a couple times by a journeyman, so you know he, he's even more vulnerable. But you know, we're not seeing them with good guys who hit back, who hit back with authority. And I don't know if we're going to get that that out of Saturday Night with Zoo, but uh, at least it's a credible enough opponent. It's a very intriguing fight. Should, everything goes with the weight like we would expect with both men. I, I would think Zoo should win a decision here.
1: Yeah, I agree, and it's not so much hyping up the opponent, like you said, which is a solid opponent, but we see so many times where you're about to be, you know, you're about to get a title shot and you're just kind of like, well, I have two ways to go about it. I can literally just, you know, fight a a complete wipe over to make sure that I can win the fight. And, uh, you know, my chances of getting cut, maybe go down, you know, just stuff like that. And we see that a lot where you're just kind of lingering because I know I got a big fight next, or at least a, a major opportunity, no matter what happens in that in that fight. But it is nice that he's taking on, um, you know, a, a, at least a legit opponent. Like you said, maybe we won't get as many answers as we want out of it, but um, I, I definitely like that uh, Riviera Adorno. Riviera should win, but I think it's uh, the way we're going to get there. As far as, you know, action fight, I think that could be interesting. Um, of course, is coming off of his, uh, um, well, he's coming off good and bad, right? You know, he's coming off missing weight. But the, his last fight was a draw with Ortiz, and that was one of the better fights. It was only an eight-rounder, but that was just a fun, fun fight to watch. Um, and he had a draw you know, with a lesser guy right before it, too. So he kind of just sprung up there. Uh, I just think it's a a good continued step in Riviera's career as he's, you know, going through some veteran guys and, uh, you know, trying to make some hay uh, at this uh, lightweight division. Um, so stylistically, I really like that fight. What, what do you think? And then some of the other fights that we have, whether it is on Showtime or, like I said, that Warrington-Martinez uh, fight where you just don't know what really either guy is going to show up in the ring because you can make an argument for good and bad uh, with that Warrington-Martinez fight as far as who's going to show up in this fight.
2: Well, this this Rivera-Adorno fight is the fight I'm looking forward to the most this weekend. It's, it's just to me, I'm really intrigued by Tim Zhu, what he's doing, so I'm really looking forward to that, but... The potential fireworks in this fight uh, and and the quality of the matchup I, I just really like this fight the best this weekend. It's the one I'm looking the most forward to. Rivera really is a top lightweight prospect. Uh, he looked spectacular you know when he stopped John Fernandez late because John Fernandez can really fight, and he came to fight, and Rivera stopped him late. I thought then he was a little off against this uh, Romero. Uh, in his last fight, who was just a survivor. Yeah, I don't think And Rivera pursued him. It was kind of a little bit like that Berlanga fight with uh, Rolls. You know, he's in with a guy who was surviving who wasn't that slick, and, and he didn't press him like he had other guys. Um, slightly disappointing for him. No, no reason to panic or anything. Easily won the fight, uh, complete shutout. And right. he was not with a guy to survive. But even Rivera himself did say after the fight that he he didn't feel like he performed on the level he had been. Uh, Adorno, you know, has had some problems making the weight. I, I, this fight's going to be a bit over the lightweight limit. I don't know if Adorno will ever make lightweight again. Um, but you know, it, if if he makes the contract weight, okay. Now with him, that's a a big if because he's been missing weight. But but I like the guys. I like the guy's talent level. Um, He's got good offense. His brother's more of a boxer than him. He's got boxing skills, but he's got the power. You know, he's not an unskilled guy, but he's also got the power. That fight you mentioned, you know, with Jermaine Ortiz was as you know really like as good as a fight you'll ever see. You know, it was an eight rounder, but you know uh, he he dropped, he, he pulled that draw out by dropping. Ortiz twice and I thought it was legit, but you know, it, it was right when he was on the brink himself. I mean that was just a tremendous, tremendous fight. So the guy's proven he's got the heart. He's proven he's got the offensive skills. He's had these times missing weight, but the guy's only twenty two years old. I mean, I think people are forgetting that. And and top rank, you know, they just re- they just release guys. They just keep a small roster. So, you know, to me it seems like a mistake, but top rank's got their own way. They like to do things with the smaller roster, but PBC picked him up immediately. I think it's a smart move. I've mentioned this before. He's a guy that was born in Jersey, and then, you know, he's been been living in Allentown area, fighting out of there. Uh, you know, I mean, I think he can be, build an East Coast following. He's got his brother, of course, who's good as well. I think PBC was smart to pick these guys up, uh, the Adorno brothers. I think they, could, they can build an action following in the East. You know, I'm thinking of a place like Atlantic City as the pandemic's over. Atlantic City seems to me to be reviving. It's, of course, not like it was in boxing. But I see an opening there where they could start getting fights again and, and bringing in East Coast guys for shows. I think PBC's looking at those types of things, like when they had Mel and Mickey highlight at Prudential Center. You know, I, I think you could see all these guys on a card. So, what I think here is, you know, Rivera's, I think, one of PBC's top prospects. They've just picked up Ordono. It's not that big of a spread on the odds when I check, but, you know, Rivera is a solid favorite. But I think Ordono's just got to, you know, make the contract wait or be close to it, close enough that this goes on and fight well. I mean, you know, in other words, if he goes the distance and he gives a tough time to a, to a guy as good as Rivera appears to be, and Rivera's a lot bigger. You know, Derno's five six. Rivera's like five nine, big for a lightweight. But but he gives him a tough fight. He still gets his offense off. I think he, even in a loss, not that a win wouldn't help more. But I think I think he helps himself still. And of course, Rivera gets a win over a dangerous opponent. Um, I expect this to be an entertaining fight as long as it lasts, and maybe maybe it goes the distance. But both guys bring real offense. They're both young. Uh, should should be hungry. Uh, no pun intended with our in our Darno's case. But, uh, you know, if, he, if he's reasonably prepared, he, he says the last fight he was going to have that he missed weight was just because he knew, you know, he's got the PBC deal coming up and now and he's going to be fighting, you know, a bigger fight with Rivera. Again, we're going to see now. And like you said, he had a draw the lesser guy before that. But guy's got some offensive skills and pop. And I'm, I'm just really intrigued yeah. to see how this fight goes. If this fight explodes in fireworks, I mean, in other words, if, if Orderno is able to land, he's got good pop and so does Rivera. I mean, it, it could then, you know, develop into a war. But the trickiest thing for Orderno is going to be, you know, how, do, how, does he, how does he work his way in close and get his shots off against the guy as big and tall as Rivera is at that weight? If he can find – he's pretty quick, though. If he if he can find a way to do that, even if he's kind of pot-shotting, it might be interesting. But, you know, if he can't get close enough to him to land those shots, then it could be a long night for him because, you know, Rivera can hurt you and he'll have him on the end of his punches, and and then it'd be trouble for Adorno. But uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. And then just go right into, you know, the Rodriguez and Velasco. Uh, I think Rodriguez in that last fight, you know, again, he's another guy that top-ranked cut. After the loss to Sims, which surprised everyone, and you know these are good guys. I mean Rodriguez, Adorno. I think PBC smart to expand the roster with him. Um, he had this, you know, this last fight with Romero, a uh, guy who you know was undefeated but no names on the record or anything like that. But but entertaining. You know, Rodriguez looked good in getting him out of there. I think it was a legit revival for him. Uh, and what was that? That was on the Canelo card, wasn't it? Uh, I'm thinking it might have been. On, I think that was on the Canelo Plant card. So uh, good, good spot for I think him. Think so, yeah. I think he has revived himself with that performance. What I'm saying, but you know, he, again, he's comparable like that to Berlanga. You know, he made the name on knocking people out. It's what people want to see with him. They're looking for aggression and knockouts. And Velasco. You know, when he stepped up, he got knocked out by um, Barrios and Progre. So there's really no – this is the fight in the car that that should be more of a showcase for Rodriguez. He's got to take it. In other words, he's got to knock this guy out. He's got to look good doing it. PBC's got a big enough roster where you're competing for tough spots, uh, where you're competing for spots. I mean, I guess I would say being the feature guy, With how deep PBC is, you know, what could happen to a guy like Rodriguez? Like, let's say he doesn't look good against Velasco Saturday night, doesn't score a knockout. This is what's kind of cool, though, about PBC with the deep roster making in-house fights is like, you know, then Rodriguez might – might find himself in like a PBC fight against program or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you'll, you'll find yourself being arguably the B side pretty quickly. You won't get cut. Heyman doesn't do that, but, but you're going to have to fight your, you're going to have to fight your way back to to be the A side type of guy.
1: Yeah, very true. That's a good point. Um, any other items that you want to uh, touch upon for this weekend? We know Bert Schilt's back. You know, after, uh, you know, going against a guy that he's just kind of getting back against, uh, I don't, you know, I guess, I mean, Burchell does tend to get hit a fair amount, but um, it shouldn't be any major, major threat. Any other items you want to talk about?
2: Yeah, I think, I think you know, it's a big enough fight. I uh, do want to address it briefly. I know we've been talking a long time here, but, you know, Warrington, uh, you know, he gets this rematch with Kiko Martinez, beat him in a competitive decision the first time. I mean, Martinez, of course, appeared done. You know, had had nothing for Gary Russell Jr. had nothing for Leo Santa Cruz. I mean, we've got to remember that you can't forget that. Uh, and you know, even though he's he picked up the big shocker against Galahad, all he's really done is get older since then. So uh, you got you got to keep that in mind. You know, Warrington is another guy. I mean, you can't argue he, he's got wins over Carl Frampton by decision and Lee Selby, but. He's underpowered for fighting at this level. Um, That's what makes it a little interesting to me is, you know, I know what Warrington's done with the victories he's got on his ledger, but he he just, I I, I mean, I I just think that he has been really has been overvalued by some people, of course, before that Lara fight, but probably even now. So, I hesitate picking him, you know, against Martinez coming off the the big win against Galahad, but I feel like I have to though because you know, Warrington will be after that, and you know, Martinez was losing that fight against Galahad the whole way. You know, to me, it was knockout of the year, just the way he landed two shots on the button. You know, the one with the huge knock knockdown, then came out the next round, one right on the button and Galahad was just completely out. I mean, just, just an unbelievable knockout, but he was way behind, you know, he wasn't really that in the fight. It was dull. So a lot of times you find that does matter. In other words, it's not like Martinez was winning rounds or, or hurting Galahad a lot. It was just really the big explosion when he knocked him out. And, And usually when that's the case, then, you know, where you're at is, and this is probably how people are looking at it, and I do too. I mean, I think Warrington could be taken out by a bomb, even though that you know that didn't happen in the first fight, and there it wasn't a war like that or anything. But after he's been taken out by Laura, that probably could happen. But I just think it's more likely that you know Warrington's probably going to be able to decision him, and and I don't I don't think he's a he's a great quick boxer like that, but it looked like he, what, what he was going to try to do with Lara in the rematch. I don't think it was going to work with Lara in the rematch uh, through the course of 12 rounds, but that's the difference between when you're fighting a Lara and a Kiko Martinez, who's you know, a featherweight already well into his 30s. Uh, he might be able to get by with that for 12 rounds against Martinez and get a decision. I, I think that's probably what's going to happen here, uh, but I, I think people should be very cautious about overvaluing josh warrington if that does happen and they better keep his abilities in perspective
1: yeah that's a good way to put it that's definitely a good a good way to put it you're right i mean at the end of the round and in the beginning of the round you know it's like that's basically what that fight was sure he got some shots off but yeah he was losing that pretty cleanly so and that's what i mean by like you could make a debate on both sides maybe this you know he carries that momentum into the next fight, but a lot of times that's not the case. Now he's facing a different style obviously than, you know, his last fight, but yeah, Warrington's just kind of all over the place. I I haven't quite got a grip on him when it comes to predictions at the right time. Uh, I just been kind of, like I said, downplayed him at the start a little bit, ended up, you know, looking pretty good. And, 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 and then yeah, just the Mauricio Lara fight. That just I don't know. It's it's interesting. That's what makes it an interesting fight, though. But yeah, I I, I we can't get too lost in Kiko Martinez knockout, no doubt about it. Well, thanks for uh, joining us. Any other thing that you want to maybe comment on or anything? You're good. Uh, that's
2: that's about it, Chris. Thanks for having me as always. The one thing I just add on that fight, you make a good point. It reminded me of something. The, the one thing that might be interesting though in that fight is. Kiko Martinez does not have to worry about Josh Warrington hurting him. And sometimes, then when you're a guy like Warrington, I mean, you know, it's you know, if you're going to win, it's got to go twelve. So, you, like Martinez in pro boxing, you know, he's not going to tell necessarily everybody this, but but he could kind of go and say, I'm not even going to try to win rounds. You know, you know, we saw we saw Deontay Wilder start to do that in some fights, and of course, Kiko yeah. Martinez, is Deontay Wilder, but I mean. You know, sometimes in the pros, if that's really the way you think you're going to win a fight, it it, it can be a strategy. In other words, you know, when you're fighting a non-puncher like Warrington. I mean, if you're fighting a a puncher, you're going to get beat up, you know, in the meantime, and you can't necessarily do that. But I think with Josh Warrington, he can't punch. Uh, So, you know, Martinez, you know, he can say, well... I may not be winning a decision here, but I'm going to see you know if I can get something in on this guy before twelve's out. That, that that might be where the way it goes for him. But that that's it. That's enough for tonight. So uh, thanks for having me as always. And at least uh, it looks like on paper we've got a real intriguing weekend coming up this weekend. All
1: right, we'll talk to you later. You have a good weekend.
2: All right, Chris, take care. Enjoy the fight.
1: Yes, sir. All righty. Um... Just kind of talking through some of these fights. Oh, we'll we'll go to Warrington uh, and Kiko. Like I said, I just, I I don't know. I wasn't like overly impressed. I mean, when he's talking about power, you know, 30 30 victories, what is he? He has one draw uh, in one loss. I think that's what it is. Let me double check. But it's under 10. I think it's like seven or eight knockouts. So, um, yeah, that's exactly what it is. 31 and one and seven knockouts of course he got uh stopped as well in that mauricio lara fight and he kept fighting i give him a lot of credit for that but man lara was just all over his ass pause but yeah you know that the highland fight the kiko fight i'm looking at his box rack right now and i don't know like i just didn't and I really think it was that Kiko fight where I was just like, man, he just barely got by that guy, and it, it was competitive and stuff. And and it, you know, maybe you could say, well, I don't, I thought it was eight to four or seven to five. It shouldn't have been, you know, a, a majority decision. Um, and that's cool. Instead of unanimous, that's fine if you want to say that. But it's still kind of stuck there, you know. And I actually, I believe that I picked Lee Selby to beat him. Um, that was in there. And then Frampton. And this is already well about three and a half years ago, give or take but a little over a little under yeah, a little over two thousand eighteen at the end of the at the end of the year with Carl Frampton that was I think one of his best you know outings I mean a Selby you could say that too, but I think just because I
0: had a higher
1: level of respect for Frampton that I was like okay, he really impresses me, but you know even um because, yeah, Eddie Hearn actually was, I believe Hearn was promoting Kid Gallahan, if I remember correctly, because he even said, I thought he, I thought Gallahan won that fight, that split decision. The car is 116-113, 116-112, and 115-113. Uh, so, um, of course, one of them, you know, going to, uh, I think it was, actually, I'm looking at it, Howard Foster. <laughs> Heard of him before a couple times, huh? Um, and, like I said, that Lara fight, it just—I know there was a large, like I'm looking at it. I remember there's a large gap there. COVID, you know, some guys got lucky where they got a fight out in those first couple months, or because they were already on the schedule, they got to come, you know, they got to come back and in, in late, like somewhere in August, late summer. Um, but he did go from this or from October. Was it October? Yeah, it was October 2019. All the way to February 2021, so that definitely affected him. Did he get hurt in there too? Is that what it was? But either way, Mauricio Lara, time and time again, was hurting him bad, dude, really, really bad. And he he got dropped twice in that fight, and even this last fight, you say, okay, he's going to clean it up. Let's see if he cleans it up. And and it, of course, you can't go too deep. In on the fight because it only lasted, a, you know, two rounds, not even two full, or, yeah, about two rounds. So two rounds, it was a draw because you know it just there was a head clash, and there was a you know a nasty cut on Lara. So, but he didn't look like phenomenal in that fight. Like, oh my God, he was really changing it up. You know what I mean? So um, I do think Warrington win by decision, and. I don't know. It's one of those things with Kiko, I think, you know, a lot of what um, John was saying there, you do kind of got to, you kind of got to take it all in. You know, it was a great performance, uh, you know, by him, you know, that late fifth round definitely, you know, hurt him. Uh, Gal had, I forgot that he did come in overweight. I kind of forgot that over the title limit Oh, at the first lane. Okay. I was like, I I forgot that. But as it turns out, it didn't matter. But yeah, he was cleanly winning that round, that, you know, those rounds. And uh, like when he fought Barrett in 2021, easily outboxed, obviously Gary Russell, um, Vidal, obviously Warrington, that was a tight fight. So, and what, he fights Santa Cruz as well. So, yeah, I think it'll be a decision. Um, but I, I, I do want to see, you know, if if Warrington's chin gets tested. I mean, I really want to see that. I think I'm right there with a the decision for Tim Zoo as well. Uh, the Rivera, Rivera and Adorno, though, that, like he said, that is like that's got a chance to really pop off and be best fights if not the best fight i'm right there with him as far as my excitement level uh for that fight um yeah so adorno plus 285 some folks are kind of down on riviera off the off of i wouldn't say recent performance well the last performance and then maybe a couple back you know um but because he was looking good there for a while but either way um You got a plus 320 at FanDuel for Adorno, plus 285, plus 300, a lot of that. Um, Actually, Lee Selby is in action this weekend as well, in a competitive fight anyway, um, on paper. Uh, For those thinking that Warrington is completely past it, although you can make the same argument for Kiko, uh, plus 300, plus 290. Plus three hundred, the highest I see. Yeah, I see that in a couple different places. Hope so you like that. Might want to take a you know something out of there. Ebony Bridges and Marie Cecilia Roman. That's probably I would have to say that's the closest one. Let me check the let me check the odds on that. I bet you that's the yeah it's it's right yeah it is the it, yeah it is it is the closest one. Um, Ebony Bridges. A slight favorite, plus 170. I see a plus 150, 189, 156. So look out for that one on that other card. That might be pretty good. That might be a tight fight. Um, and, you know, this, obviously, this is just preview. These are just odds. And as we've seen, sometimes odds get, you know, put on, the, you know, their head. Um, and Elvis Rodriguez, I, I clearly he's going to win that fight. Big favor, but I, you know, let's see him in this fight. Velasco is not some kind of complete throwaway uh, opponent, but it's not a fight that I'm like, oh man, that's a great matchup. You know what I mean? So yeah, it'll it'll be kind of interesting there. Um, but let's hope for a good weekend. So yeah, I got decision, decision. I think Rivera has a chance to win by knockout, but I think it'll be a clean but competitive decision. Oh, and then Burchell um, you know obviously we'll see if there's any kind of uh you know effects i guess you could say you know i you never know it was a pretty uh you know brutal knockout that he that he did succumb to um and that was that was yeah it was over a year ago that's right cuz i was thinking that was in march too but that was actually in february i forgot about that so he hasn't fought in over a year. And sometimes that's good to, you know, because he just got his bell rang like crazy. Other times, not so much. Now, his opponent, um, Nak- Nakathelia Jeremiah, he didn't win a round against Stevenson. But then again, how many rounds do you win off Stevenson? You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to downgrade him. But going into that fight, there he didn't fight anybody. You know what I mean? that's the thing. Fight anybody. I know he took a L. I remember seeing this. He he fought a prospect in 2016 to get L early in his career, but you know, a lot of three and four, 13 and five, nine and three, 29 and 10 and not all 29 tens are, you know, remember Orlando Salido had a bunch of losses, but you know, he was a beast. So I'm not trying to just, you know, talk about the guy's record, but I'm assuming you know, that they're going to get, you know, they're going to, that they're going to, this is just to come back to and, and get a dub. You know what I'm saying? Just get a dub. Just just, just come back, get a dub, and then we'll match it. He's out there saying, you know, hey, I'm going to get this win, and then I'm going to go, and I'm going to go after that. Um, <sighs> Let's see. Oh, I mentioned Don King was in the game. <laughs> was back. Um, he's back. He won a purse bid, dude. Now, who knows what the hell he's going to do with it. I mean, that's another thing, right? <laughs> you just never know exactly what what's going to happen there. But he did randomly win a purse bid over Frank Warren. So we'll see exactly, you know, what goes down from there. It's just funny how he just finds a way to kind of pop up, um, you know, and actually – Looking at that Martinez, someone sent me the punch that 160, what was it, 169 lands to 172. So, I mean, that shows you it was a damn competitive fight just off, you know, just off that little bit there. Um, But, yeah, (laughs) we'll see what exactly good old Don King, uh, you know, is going to do with that uh, winning that person and whatnot. I'm going to go ahead and we'll talk a little bit about that with the, not really much, actually, but we'll talk, you know, we got some fight news coming up, but we're going to go out to Portland in 5.03 and see how he's doing on this Wednesday night. Let's get out to Portland. Josue, what's going on, man? How you doing?
3: Hey yo 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 what up what up what up Chris uh, I'm doing good here in beautiful ass Oregon it's finally fucking it's finally spring the, the cold is over old old man winter is done here at least yeah. here here in our side or, or on my side Chris I don't know about there in Minnesota man I know I know the winter's getting pretty rough out there where old man winter you know, it stays a little longer, but I hope you're doing good, Chris. How's everything, brother?
1: Yeah, it'll jump up to 60, 70 degrees and then sleep the next day, so we're doing all right.
3: <laughs> That's good, brother. That's good. But, yeah, brother, uh, let me, let's talk boxing, man. Um, a lot has happened. Uh, if I could just, I'll just, uh, I wanted to talk uh, real fast. I think uh, if I could comment real fast, uh, Michael Conlon, uh Lee Wood. I know this happened like a, a few like what weeks ago, a few weeks ago now, but like man, I just want to say that is fight of the year uh in my opinion so far. What a fight. Uh I loved it. Uh high drama, the hype was cool. I, I what's up.
1: I said high drama, especially the way that ended, man.
3: Yeah, yeah, hell yeah, man. The crowd was live, bro. Man, I, that that kind of crowd is man, that it, it feels you're like boxing soul up, man. Like Bro, like I'm not, I'm not even like any of those countries, but man, they they were lit, man. And uh, but man, the the ending to that fight where Michael Conlin went, you know, through the ropes, man. I thought that was whole, like, uh, especially how he had already like had kind of a lead in my opinion, and like he he did good in the first half, but then I can not believe how he kind of seemed like he gassed out, and and you know, it just was not looking so good for him at the end, but man, I, the but the ending was sweet, like that uh that 12th round KO for uh, Lee Woods, man, so shout out uh the, I just thought that, you know, so far uh that is uh fight of the year uh for me. Uh so yeah shout that's out at to at least knockout, that's for sure. At yeah least for sure out, too dude. man, that one too. Does that I mean yeah, hell damn yeah, bro. dude, that's a way to finalize a fight. Holy shit. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. And also, too, man, um, it, also, too, this last weekend where we had Alex uh, Rocha versus Blair Cobbs and uh, Berlanga, you know, uh, during those two, I had to choose which one to fight or which one to watch during that time, and uh, I chose uh, the Rocha fight. Um, and, uh, I, you know, then the national anthem goes out to him today or uh, for, for him, man, and, uh, because, bro, that fight, that was a sick-ass fight, man. That, that was an entertaining fight. Um, just seeing, uh, you know, Blair, because i seen that interview, uh with the uh, with t v v uh the boxer boy stand up man he seemed he was he was lit for the fight and and i liked how he- he uh kind of stepped up there to, to to take over the main event um you know Because uh a ortiz wasn't able to to fight um and uh shout out to Virgil ortiz i hope he recovers i hope you're good um but yeah man that fight i thought that fight was so far uh in my opinion the fight of the weekend uh Rocha, man he brought it uh you know cobbs man I thought, you know, having Freddie Roach on his side, you know, I thought, you know, he was going to be the kind of hold up and be able to make it the through the through the end of that, you know, through the, through the end of the fight. But man, he got stopped, um, man in the in the ninth round with flurry of punches. And uh, man, uh, he, I, I, you know what, Cobb doesn't have to hang his head. I know he talked a lot, and I know in this in this fight business, man, um, there's a lot of uh, you can't just. You know, the, if you talk, you got to put it up, man. You got to, you know, you got to put up or shut up. So, man, uh, it, 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 it's crazy how he got the attentions of, of Bud Crawford and uh, um, and Spence, man. Like, even, you know, it's crazy to me that he got that far, like, that people were, you know, because he was still, in my opinion, kind of like a contender or prospect kind of level. Or, I don't know, because, uh, you know, he was never there uh, for, like, a uh, a championship fight or, you know what I mean? So, it's just like, uh, because, man, uh, the he, like I said, I, I don't think he needs to hang his head. On nothing man, I think he he could you know he could just learn from this this is, this is this is okay, you know what I mean I mean Rocha, Rocha had a loss coming into this fight, and uh man, well, you know it, it happens man you know it's, uh, so shout out to blair Cobs, Rocha, he moves on his career, so shout out to to that uh to that fight man and um and Berlanga fight of uh, you know what that was a little uh, lackluster for me. it was all right, you know, not much to talk about uh, I thought Berlanga did uh, his thing um and uh you know he he brought the crowd up. I, I saw that he brought, uh, brought a few rappers. You know, uh, in in his corner, you know what I mean. But uh, man, you know this guy. I, I could be a little critical about him. Like, man, he needs to get his uh, the left hook, that Puerto Rican left hook. Man, where's it at? And the, um, that's just my take. If he if he uh focused a little bit more on the, you know, try to I don't know. Uh, there's that, a little too much. Uh, I I know that uh, what's his name? Um, man, uh, help me, Chris. What was the opponent's name? I forget. Uh, but he, uh, um, rolls. Steve Rolls, yeah, he did his thing, you know. I mean, he was hard to hit, and you know, he had a tricky style. But I mean, uh, I don't know, just a little bit of me was thinking, like, man, you could have, uh, you put, uh, you know, put put uh, put put a little pressure on him, you know what I mean? Like, just you know, put put some gas on there. And uh, but you know, he did his thing. He moves on, you know. He's still good. He's still undefeated, and. So goes moves forward is Pierce, So shout out to him, and also, uh, and also too, man. Um, if I could uh, comment real quick, uh, the, I don't know if you, uh, I'm sure you got to see the interview, Chris, with Charlo and Mike Tyson. If I could, man, if I could comment real fast, man. Um, you know, I was, you know, I was. I'm like everybody else. I'm not. I wasn't too hype up of what he said. Um, I thought he could have been a little bit more. You know, lions roared, right? I thought I could have, he could have roared a little bit, you know, harder. Or, uh, you know, uh, you know what I mean? And um, but I just thought, man, he was so tentative to to, to not say anything. Like, you know, I mean, Mike Tyson gave him like so many opportunities to call off somebody. Do you think Canelo's ducking him? Do you think Canelo's ducking him? Well, there you go.
1: Is, Is he supposed to say that, though? Is he supposed to be like, oh, Canelo's ducking me? Or do you just want him to talk shit just in general?
3: No, just yeah, talk. Be you know, uh, shows show some entertainment. Like you know, even sure. even if it's like these fights aren't aren't possible right now. Obviously, what he's got the he fight. Be more you know, call out the names. Like even Mike Tyson told you, you know what I mean. Like you know, I know, I know sure. it's like I, I know some fighters don't have it in them or whatever. But like I mean, you say you're a lion, you know, lions only. I, I remember lions, you know, conquering. You know, what I mean, there, there's a movie. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. hate to. To say, there's a movie called The Lion King out there, you know what I mean? we all seen it, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I just thought, you know what I mean? That's my opinion. Um, Mike Tyson, no, you know, like I said, said put that. the pressure.
1: Talk, a lot of people said that. I hear what you're saying.
3: Yeah. I, like just
1: They literally like, so, you put know, out even two the, major offers to fighters, though. So I'd rather somebody yeah. actually put out legit offers than talk a bunch of shit. But then again, you do make yeah. a good point because it is your time to just get off on on folks too, you know what I mean?
3: That's yeah, what people man. want to hear.
1: Like you know, but ultimately,
3: yeah, man. Like he was, he was brought up the the Benavides, and he said that he had no value. I'm just like, man. Don't don't give us that that like you know politician speak, speeches you know what I mean like give us the real like a fighter speech man like this is your moment you're my, you're right there with Mike Tyson the great and you know I don't know that's just my opinion and then I, you know at the end of the whole thing like at the end of the whole interview like I just felt like you know I think he's he is destined for greatness I don't want to knock on him or nothing like that but like I just I just felt like at the end, he wanted to say, like, I'm just in it for the money. You know what I mean? Like, I just want these, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that, that's just, I felt like at the end of the interview, like, what he really wanted to say. Like, his, I don't know, that, that's what I got from him. And, uh, you know, the, and, and, you know, because somebody coming from, like, no money with money, like, I, you know, I can't not knock on that. You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't know, man. But I would just would love to see yeah, but if he
1: just wants money, wouldn't, he just wouldn't have tried to fight Mungia. He wouldn't have tried to fight Mungia though if he
3: just wanted money. What? No, no, that, that fight was supposed to happen, right? But, like, I guess, what, De La Hoya uh, did his thing again where uh, yep. he, he promised he, said he wanted on or something like view. that. He got him. No, he said he wanted
1: yeah. – Showtime paid – first of all, Showtime – nobody made the offer besides Showtime. Showtime made the – or at least the PBC side, it was going to be on normal Showtime, right? They made the mm-hmm. offer. Munguia accepted the offer. He agreed to terms. Once you agree to terms, if it's actual agreeing to terms, which it was, usually those fights Mm -hmm. are done. But it was Oscar who came in and said it has to be a split pay-per-view. Showtime was planning on doing it on regular Showtime. They didn't want a Mm pay-per-view. They gave Mungia the the Mexican rights and DAZN, the U.K. rights. They also said if Mungia wins, then he can control where the rematch should be on DAZN. But Oscar came in and said, Nope, it's gotta be a split it's gotta be a split thing even though they're not putting up any money and DeZone has literally said we don't want that pay per view.
3: Yeah. You know, see yeah, yeah, that's why De La Hoya, you know what I mean, is such a character, you know. Uh, um you know, that that's I don't know, that's just it's that's crazy. a nice like, way to like, um, put it right. <laughs> He was, I mean, like you said, I mean, all those, oh, he just got involved and, you know, completely shit on the whole, you know, event. So, but you, like I said, you can't knock Charlo for that or, you know what I mean, or mangia, I know, I, I get that that fight was supposed no, to I happen, agree. but man, like, but like, the thing is that like, like, was Selecki the only one selected as like, that, that's just my question. Was like he the only one even on, like, considered, like, you know, like, I don't know. That's well, let's think my about My opinion. It. Let's like, think about it. Uh-huh.
1: Like, Adamas is maybe the only one that was also out there, but he also was waiting for his little internship that he kept Cause Mungia passed on Adamas and a couple other guys too, or at least his side did. But Andre has a fight already signed. Golovkin has a fight already signed. Mungia's side, Oscar didn't want it. Golovkin already has a fight signed. So if we're going to go, you know, a couple of these guys are right in the same range. So it's, it's really, we tried to make a couple fights. We're fighting in June, you know? Because now he doesn't have to wait until May. Just, okay, now he, he's been out of the ring for almost a year now. You're right. I'm not pumped about Sulecki, but who's available that's a big fight right now? Benavides mm-hmm. has a fight signed. Yeah. Plant is fighting Durrell in the summer as his comeback fight after a knockout. Who are these big names he could fight right now? Well, Mungia and Charlo or Canelo, but those didn't work out. So, but but back to what you said in that moment on the Tyson show, I hear exactly what you're saying though on that because you know yeah. even if it doesn't mean anything and fights don't get made, that's what people do want to hear. You know, they do want to yeah. Like to what you said earlier with Blair Cobbs, he was talking shit, crazy shit that he had no, he obviously wasn't going to back up, but it still did get attention, didn't it?
3: Mm-hmm. It got a lot of attention, man. See, but that's what, like, that's what you're kind of supposed to do at the end of the day, man. Like, you know, still promote. Yeah. I'm just speaking in all honesty. I'm speaking as a, as a fan, you know, as a fan, fan. You know what I mean? Because I don't have. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I have no business, like, in boxing, you know, bro. I, you know, Chris, you give me the opportunity to, to speak as a fan, man. You know what I mean? That, that, a person that, you know, contributes, you know, daily on a weekend. But, you know, every weekend money into this sport, you know what I mean? And uh, oh, yeah. I'm one of those fans out there. You're, so, you know what I mean? A, I'm just Sorry. speaking as a fan.
1: But I'm just I was yeah, trying and, to make a point, though. Who is the fight yeah. that Charlo was supposed to fight in June is my point. Like,
3: uh-huh. who else was out there, you know? not many yeah yeah not yeah not many but you know but it, at least he is active one thing I we could be grateful is that he is active and the fight is made and um you know we get to and see then let's see so, what you happens know, no, uh, yeah <laughs> and uh but yeah man and uh but that that's what uh that's what i had from the the charla interview but you know it's just i i like i said i i just you know he i would just like him for him to the roar a little bit louder um sure. and uh but also and and also and also too man um uh, if i uh, the the canelo bibble I, if i could just uh, comment real quick on that man I, I i you know i think i i love this fight me you know what i mean canelo to me canelo can't do anything wrong uh, i'm not gonna lie uh if he fought benavides charlo everybody's every, every, everybody's a great fight you know what i mean um so but yeah. this one man yeah. this one is scary this one is scary to me um, in all honesty to me, like, uh, in all honesty, because uh, I always thought Bibble, the 175-pound the uh, uh, division is still dangerous. I mean, they got a better be of and uh, Bibble, like I said, Bibble. In and all, in all honesty, too, man, shout-out to um, Gilberto Romero. Uh, not Gilberto, yeah, Gilberto Romero, uh, you know, I mean, he, he has to sit aside now, because I think he had a, like, you know, he wanted this fight, and he called him out first after his fight, his his, his last fight, so... For Canelo to come in and take this on, man. Speaking of a guy that wants uh,
1: that needs a big fight, by the way, Gilberto. I mean, Jesus Christ, how many yeah. fights is he gonna have before he gets a big fight? But no. I, so you're you, you, scared? You're saying style wise, because I'd be more scared. of better be of uh, power wise, but style wise, Bibble is. Uh, it, people are uh, especially in the states, uh, and you know the last couple of years he hasn't fought anybody, but they don't. He's a. He's got some skill, man. He definitely has. Yeah. Not going to be. Yeah, man. The, the fight that some people think it is, man. It may not be fun to watch, but bivel has the real deal skill, man. He really does. I think it's a very dangerous fight to lose, or at least be super competitive. Uh, you know, because I don't see him scoring a knockout, uh, bivel, But it's tough, dude. It's a it's a very you know, awkward style in a sense. Anyway, I mean, in one in one way, he's basic, but he's so good at what he does. You know, that's what I like about the fight.
3: Yeah, man, it, it might come like I was thinking the same thing. Like it might come out uh, to like a like a technical fight at the end of the at the end of the night, man. And because uh, uh, I've seen, uh, you know, Bibble's got, you know, I, I think he's got great movement. Like when it when it comes to like someone coming uh, coming after him, like he knows how to move. You know, and he's got like you said, like you know, he does his things good. Like he's what he does is good, um, and this is a bigger weight. Like that's the thing. Like if he can control this fight, I don't know, man. Canelo might be just maybe down on on the cards, or you know, and, and if and if anything, two men. Well, we if, don't if, know if about that. Counts. I don't know about down on the cards though. <laughs> that's true. That's <laughs> but true. Think about the Kovalev. And, uh, like Kovalev.
1: Kovalev went tick for tat with, uh, with uh,
3: you know Canelo
1: until he got iced.
3: <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, yeah, so this is definitely, yeah, this is definitely a it's tricky a fight, fight, man, and uh, like I said, tough, stuff, tough, tough fight, and, uh, you know, it's so funny how, you know, um, you know, it seems like the casuals, obviously the casuals aren't happy with this one, they want the, the big names, Benavides, uh, Charlo, right, but, man, um, you know, me, strictly, just as a fan, as a hardcore fan, um, just, this is still a great matchup, man, worth the money, too, and and obviously, too, man, the, the debut, what, of uh, the Zone pay-per-view, like, wow, man, boxing will never be free. And, you know, and um, you know, they should just stop trying to pressure it and try to make it that way. Just make everything. Who cares? You know, at this point, we're buying everything. So, um, <laughs> But it's funny. Like, finally, the, the debut of pa- the zone pay-per-view, which is funny well, you know for what? us, for Americans. They did Americans. Do it.
1: Now, now it's only pay-per-view. But they did, for Canelo, his last two to three fights on the zone, they did offer it pay-per-view.
3: Yeah, that's, but oh yeah, but, that's true. I forgot about that. You know yeah, I mean? there, there was that But auction, this is right? only
1: yeah. pay-per-view now.
3: So that is a little mm-hmm. different,
1: you know. No.
3: Yeah. No, I agree though. <laughs> I think it's
1: a good I think it's a good style. I th- I think it's a very interesting style. I think it's a really, you know, people are going to say something about whatever. You know, no matter mm-hmm. what. People are bitching about the Golovkin fight, uh people will bitch about, "Oh, Benavides has a puppy, but you know, the, no matter who he chose, unless it was like another drum or something like
3: that, um, people would always have something to say, you know. That's just how it is. Yeah, happens, hell yeah, man. Yeah, man. In boxing, man, no one is ever satisfied, you know what I mean? You just got to support. that. At the yeah. end of the day, just support these guys, you know what I mean? It's, it's all about that. Um, you know what I mean. me, as a fan speaking, you know what I mean, because it's a a lot of people put, you know, what I mean? they they get behind their fighters, bro, and it's a ride or die shit. So. but man, and um, yeah, but yeah, man, and also too, it looks like a, it looks like Haney and Cambosos is, is close to being made or it's it's talked about right now. Um, this is cool. I think I think this is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and Devin, you know, and Devin Haney, you know, I saw that interview with his dad. Um, and he was, uh, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to, to Devin Haney. Um, for, you know, just uh, Stepping up and having to take these kind of uh you know the what, what's that like he has to all the the list of things he has to do to to even get into the country and to take this fight like I think that's I I just think that's so awesome uh you know in in Haney's part like I just you know I mean it makes me a bigger fan that he's willing I mean uh you know just to to do to you know to do things even if you don't I, I guess in a way believe in it you know what I mean um if you have to you know do you know what I mean and uh, but, yeah, man, Haney, Haney's uh, Cambosa is going to be a good fight. Uh, man, I can't wait for this one. looks like it's going to be in Australia. Uh, man, uh, it, it's going to be dope, man. So I can't wait for that one. Um, but as far as that, also, too, Chris, uh, this weekend, looks like we got the, the return of uh, Miguel Burchette, man. And, uh, you know, this one looks like it it should go. I think Miguel is a favorite coming into this fight. I'm definitely staying tuned to this one, seeing how uh, – my, my Mexican brother in does for this one, man. I'm rooting for this guy, Miguel Brashella. do it uh, over Jeremiah, man. Um, uh, you know, and uh, also, too, Chris, what's up with uh, Tim Zhu? You're going to be in the house for this one? This one looks like you're in, in Minnesota over there. It is. You know what? I had a prior engagement that I thought was next weekend, but
1: somebody mm-hmm. uh, I know is uh, having surgery, and um, I got to help them out with the kids and shit like that. So, like, major, major uh, surgery. So, yeah, I actually – I don't know what I was thinking, but I got to, you know, I got I started talking to the person and I was like, Oh my God, it's this weekend. And I had already taken the day off too, just to make sure. But yeah, unfortunately, I mean, I'll uh, you know, still be tuned into it and stuff like that, but yeah, yeah I, I'm yeah. not going to go, but I am going to go June 4th to Fulton and okay. uh, Danny Roman Roman though. You heard that? That's in, no, that's in yeah, the bro.
3: armory too. Yeah. Hey, yo, Chris, can I say something, too, man? I'm so jealous. of, I mean, Minnesota seems to be a, a new home for boxing, man, and for, especially for the PBC. But, man, uh, like, man, we don't get dog. We don't get shit over here, bro. Like, in all honesty, man, I just, like, you know, Minnesota seems like right that, man. And, uh, with, you know, for, for fights, too, man, it's, it's so cool. Like, I mean, to Tim Zhu, right? Is this his uh, U.S. debut here? Yep, yep. Yeah, right. Okay. So, yeah, this is going to be good, man. I, the, this one's going to be... I you know uh, I'm staying tuned to to the, uh, Miguel Bruchette to see what he what's up. But man, it, it's good. I mean, I saw Tim Zhu's last fight in the end. That is, that 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 guy carries power, man. He seems like he carries his daddy's power there, man. So it's cool, bro. And um, but yeah, man. Uh, and uh, but yeah, man. As far as that, I don't have too much to say. Also, Chris, you you had mentioned that uh, Ebony Bridges is uh, fighting this weekend. I just want to tell everybody, don't miss the weigh-ins. Ebony Bridges weighing. <laughs> You know what I mean? and uh, But, man, as far as that, Chris, thank you for having me on. Viva Robo Radio. Viva Mexico, cabrones. There we be.
1: Thanks, as always. It was good to be able to hear your takes tonight. I know a lot of times you're, uh, you know, uh, busy at work and whatnot. Um, and, by the way, I got a message about that Don King. He, okay, so I didn't really give too much detail, but it's, Trevor Bryan and Daniel Dubois for you know a secondary WBA that WBA that has just been chilling there for a long time, and Don King has just been doing a variety of things. Uh, but anyway, he he bid a whopping, and this is Jake Donovan's tweet: three point one million, and outbid Frank Warren, who Frank Warren bid two point five. So Bryan. Uh, Trevor Bryan gets uh, 55 to 45. Now, where they're going to have that fight, I do not know. I do not know where that fight's going to be. But, you know, who knows? We'll see. Um, Let's see here. What else we got to speak on? Um, yeah, Don King's back in the... All right, so, oh, there is a – it's kind of all over the place with Usyk. It's kind of all over the place because you had um, Coppinger, who always wants to be first regardless, he tweeted out something that's saying Usyk has received permission from the Ukraine sports minister to leave the country during war and will be given training camp for a summer rematch with uh, Joshua. Um, That's what, you know, sources are telling him. Then his manager, he gets – um, he said, let me tell you something smart-ass. First of all, Usyk does not need special permission to leave the country as he is a father of three children. It's Ukrainian law. Before you post anything, check that first meeting. If you have kids, then you're allowed to, you know, do what you gotta do. Uh, but it's been kind of all over the place. You hear, oh, yeah, he's coming. He, the fight's gonna happen. But then you know, then this stuff. So I really don't, I really don't know. I'm not really sure uh, what's going on there. If Joshua going to take that interim fight or if uh, Usyk does leave, you know what I mean? I'm not sure. I know that Loma's definitely obviously not leaving, um, and that may put him in a, you know, a, a weird scenario, you know. Um, but, yeah. We'll see how that goes. Speaking of Canelo, for a third fight possibly in December, if everything goes well, of course, in, in you know, May and in September against Golovkin as long as that's the matchup, because Golovkin has to win too, of course. And it's not even just winning, you know, injuries and stuff like that, knock on wood. Um, but he said Canelo told Eddie that he wants to sign or he wants to fight either in Guadalajara or London. And Hearn is saying that he would like to face them against John Ryder uh, or, Macbua, or Ma- Macaboo or or which I just don't think this will happen. Uh, Buatze and Craig Richards, which that fight's done for May as well. That's a good fight. I'm not sure that would be the next fight, uh, but coming off of that, like that scheduled Bivol May and then Golovkin three, no matter what version of Golovkin's left, it's still not going to be easy. Um, like some people are saying, I don't, I don't believe so anyway, but anyway, um, I mean, I favor Canelo to win, but September, then you fight in December, you know, more than likely, I'm not saying it's going to be Yildrum, but I could see, you know, a, a lesser opponent just to get another fight in. He fights in December, maybe he gets pu- pushed back, you know, early January, but then he'll fight in May. So if he fights in December, then he'll have that time off they got to kind of recoup and go back to the May in September. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? You know, it's all about how Canelo feels as well. Speaking of Eddie, he did reveal that he made an offer um, for Derek Chisora to fight Ruiz. Um, But, you know, Eddie Hearn, like the next day said, well, um, you know, they, they, he was talking to Luis uh, De Cubas so that's his little, that's his, uh, you know, go-to guy to, to be able to communicate with him consistently. Um, instead of that, just saw a Ruiz Jr. fight, which sounded like Ruiz was looking for a little bit better of an offer. It actually, you know, this fight with Ruiz and Ortiz is something that they've been talking about now. So Ruiz had a little minor injury, As we know, or Ortiz did, Ruiz had a a surgery, a knee surgery. So he's coming back. So hopefully that fight happens because that's a good fight. By the way, I forgot to mention, um, I just saw it on my sheet, Um, Bruce Carrington and Davis, uh, Kelvin Davis, both had really nice knockouts. I forgot to to mention that. Uh, Some some pretty good stoppage Okay, um, do I have any more news, or should I just go right to Twitter? Oh, Golovkin is now suing uh, Oscar De La Hoya Golden Boy promotion for upwards of $3 million. He claims he's old related to the 2018 rematch. Uh, Triple G is alleging breach of contract and breach of fiduciary duty, as well as other allegations. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, like I said, breach of contract. Uh, this case, this is a, is this his lawyer? This case involves a blatant disregard for the contractual fiduciary uh, obligations of Golden Boy uh, toward a prominent fighter, Golovkin, and is illustrated of certain promoters, in this case Golden Boy, mistreat or even uh, the most prominent fighters as example on information and belief in addition to Gennady, uh, Kovalev, and Elba, whatever. Um, but yeah, he's suing him or not. Uh, sounds like Jared Anderson will fight Christian Hammer on the undercard of Fury and Dillian White. Uh, Jared Anderson is going to be in camp. I don't know if he's there just yet, but he's going to be in camp um, with Fury as well again, so that's kind of cool. Um, what else we got for news? Not a ton of news right now. So I think we'll just get to some boxing Twitter here. Um, let's see if we go oh, here. This one was from Facebook. You know, fanboys, no matter what you're a fanboy of, you know, anti-PVC, pro-PVC, uh, Fury fan, but whatever the fuck, whatever the fuck. This one happens to be a Javante Davis fanboy. And this is on Facebook. <laughs> I saw it today. Um, actually, I saw it on Twitter. Someone posted it. Tank Davis is definitely the Muhammad Ali of this area era area. I believe he's the one to give Canelo his first loss. <laughs> so that tells you how fanboy you are. First of all, um, you know, you can have your belief on what's what and who's who in a fight compared to the past. That's fine. But to sit there and say that'll be his first loss, it's like, well, first of all, Gervonta's not fighting Canelo ever. Two, First loss? What are you talking about? Canelo Canelo lost, dude. What are you talking about? It's just funny, dude. Like that's some fanboy shit right there. You're deep into it uh, if you think that fight's going to happen, and also if you didn't even know he lost, you know. Um, and don't get me wrong, Canelo's been on a great run, so I, I could see some people new to the sport in the last few years. Maybe they did, you know. Maybe they didn't even see that fight. That was in 2013. Now that I think about it, so. And Gervonta started climbing like 2016, 17, and 18. So, yeah, maybe he just didn't see it, you know? And he knows Canelo now. He's like, Gervonta's going to beat Canelo. Here's Berlanga. This is from BoxingScene.com, a headline. I have the necessary tools to become the next Miguel Cotto or Tito Trinidad. That's what he says. This is Raging Babe. This goes back to my tweet the other night. We have to stop doing this in boxing. And boxers, too. The next Floyd, the next Tito, the next Duran. I don't think we'll ever see Floyd in our lifetime or Tito. Stop the narrative, please. And I'm with Raging Banks. However, however, she did tweet at the beginning of uh, beginning of last year. We had the four kings, Duran, Leonard, Hagler, and Hearns. What should we call Teofimo, Tank, Haney, and Garcia? She's the one. I don't know if she was the first one, I believe she was, I'm not totally sure, but she was one of the first few that started bringing out, hey, we need a nickname for these folks. Well, if you're saying, let's stop this, you mean you need to stop it too, and she did say, let's stop it, but, you know, um, she is the one who, and don't get me wrong, it got a, a good amount of likes now that I'm looking at it, but she was she brought up the Four Kings, and she wanted to name these guys after that, and one of them's not even gonna be at that weight class anymore, but yeah, I mean you know we gotta we gotta keep ourselves in check too then, but I do agree with what she said though um what else have we got oh yeah, this is uh there was a little back and forth there was a little back and forth between. Wasn't there some... Yeah, there was. There we go. Someone actually just sent me this. That's right. There was a little back and forth. I just hope that... I'm assuming the fight's going to get done. Um, But this is Haney back, you know, like a month ago saying, whatever, you know, whatever loan was taken, I'll take it. I'll take the same exact offer. And this is what um, Cambosis had to say. You were offered it months ago and you played around. In the meantime, a great man, Vasily... Uh, made it very simple to do anything to make it happen and the deal was done but now loma has a bigger fight um you know so we hope your word is true and they did kind of go back and forth a little bit further than that too uh now that i i remember they were talking about like you know all right so this is your opportunity are you just going to grab it right away or are you going to do you know or or are you going to kind of hold the hold the thing a little bit you know so i'm assuming that I would be i guess I can't say by the way that Bewazi Richards fight is may twenty first think in London, remember Eddie was saying that he had doesn't have an exact date for it, but that it's coming that's a good fight. I like that fight a lot um yeah, it was something about the you know when the gates close, I think Cambosa said something to him if someone wants to send me that you know that's cool, but I just don't remember what it was. I'm looking for it oh here we go. Um, when the gate is closed, the little dog barks and is full of energy. But let's see when the gate is fully open. If the little dog still has the same bark and energy, tick tock. He said, "My energy." Haney responded by saying, "My energy will be forever be the same." You were forced into position. Let's not confuse the people. Um. Oh yeah, and here's Eddie Hearn, and this is what I mean. Eddie loves to talk about other fighters and other platforms, but he doesn't you know he talks about Charlo all the day. He says, well why isn't Charlo fighting Caleb Plant? Well Caleb Plant is it the weirdest thing for him to c- come back and fight Anthony Durell and then you know the the plan is for PBC from uh, from multiple reports is that if Caleb gets through this fight in the summer with Darrell and Benavidez gets past Lemieux, that they're gonna fight. That's the plan. So he says, "Why isn't Charlo fighting Benavides?" Well, Benavides has a fight. Why isn't Benavides uh, or Benavides not fighting Plant? Well, dude, he just got knocked out. You know, let the guy come back and get a fight, and then move on. You know, it's funny because what who has Andre fought since he got to the zone in, in late 2018? Tell me who. We know he fought Selecki. Google or YouTube Selecki versus Jacobs and Selecki versus uh, Andre. And hear what the promoter at the time, and I understand he's promoting the show, but we didn't hear this big outcry when Jacobs and Andre fought Selecki. Now it's the, the outcry. But go back and look. You know, they made one quality fight for Andre. It was Billy Joe Saunders. And he popped on that inhaler thing, whatever it was. He popped on a test. But each commission in each state is a little different. So, whether that's true or not, either way, they never made the fight again. And Billy Joe Saunders, remind me who he fought at one sixty eight again, because he looked like shit when he was there. Remember, he got the the Canelo fight before him. Callum Smith got the fight before Andre. Who has Andre fight? See, he didn't fight Golovkin. He didn't fight Jacobs. He fight. Now I'm not saying this is all Andre's fault, but it just it's really funny how he just can't put his fighters together. Like he just really can't. He just doesn't that much, and he says it outwardly. He literally says it out, outwardly. Um, but yeah, he's out there saying, well, "Why isn't Charlo fighting Benny?" They're not even. Wait a second. Didn't Golov- Golovkin? People were saying Golovkin can stay at middleweight. That's fine, unless a big big money fight comes and then. There was that frotch talk. But, you know, it was okay for for Golovkin to stay at 160. No problem. No problem. They were saying Canelo was ducking Golovkin when he was at a lower weight class. You know? So it's just like, why don't you, you know, keep your side figured out? I'm not saying Sue Lucky's a great opponent. I'm not saying that at all. But we just went through a list of who's fighting. So is it Adamas? that's the guy who would beat charlo Then you're saying there's probably five six eight guys that are right around the same so yeah it, it the fight is not fun or great or whatever no but some fighters don't have the luxury of having an eight to ten week camp that's for sure this is raging babe again if you have that luxury why take it for granted do you know what some fighters would do for a, a kind of camp like that and that is straight up remember Maidana. Even though he wasn't always just an opponent, but remember Maidana, his people had him in, like, four-week camps to get ready for fights. And then when he got, you know, with Garcia, Robert Garcia, and they started getting him a jab and started getting full camps, look what it did. I mean, Maidana was crazy after that. Oh, yeah, this is uh, in reference to Virgil Ortiz. A lot of people thought he was having weight problems, so that's why he missed, uh, you know, it sounds like he was having some real issues. Uh, By the way, I talked about that last week. Thought to go out to him fully healing. Boxing media is a joke. Quick to to try to be first with some crock rumor from a source. Straight disrespectful uh, to a young, hardworking kid like Virgil. As if he wouldn't be busting his ass in the gym if weight was an issue. Praying that he's all right. Um, I hate to see fighters being restricted from opportunities and uses pawns for a network promotional wars. Yes, I agree. They only get to have one career. Um, The other stakeholders will be around long after, you know, shitty aspect of the sport, no doubt about it. And obviously that came around the Munguia, where Munguia literally signed. For anybody that's saying Munguia was ducking, dude, he signed. I think I said this last week too. He signed to fight Golovkin when he was, like, way younger. You know, remember it was the commission that wouldn't let like Golovkin fight him. Remember that. They let him fight Marta Roshin, but Mungia wanted this fight. He agreed to fucking terms, you know. It seems to me that people rather be mad at Charlo for this fight over how the Mungia fell apart. I've never seen as many people go hard on Golovkin when dudes were turning him down and he had to fight others. Instead, they use the oh, you know, they're building the fear factor element, and that is true. It's like he fought random dudes sometimes, some sometimes off HBO, sometimes on HBO, but he didn't get that, that, that heckling. He got support. Assuming oh, this is this is blaze. Assuming the one sixty. Okay, he said assuming the WBC, WBC. He said this March twelfth, by the way, or tweeted it. Assuming the WBC one sixty eliminator. Munguia and Atomos happens Munguia will KO Atomos then Munguia will become the mandatory for Jamal Charlo Then Charlo must fight Munguia or vacate when the smoke clears Munguia will be the WBC world champ Well, he he, you know, I don't know what happened with the the Atomos fight I know he's with the PBC now. So maybe that's what happened to it, but their side denied that fight too. It was I think it's four different Andre, Charlo, Adamas, and that other dude that Andre didn't fight either for his belt. That's the ones he's turned down now. So it's like, I think John said this. Other people said this. Are they just waiting for Canelo? Is that what it is? I mean, what, at some point, the kid wants a, a big fight. Let him fight. Is, like I said last week, how many people are going to really get down on Munguia if he did lose to Charlo? He's like 25. You know, I mean, do 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 people, I don't know too many people that think Munguia is going to be a top five pound for pound fighter. He's going to take some losses, but he's all action. He's getting better. He's got power. He's getting more, you know, he's, his skill is advancing. Um, yeah, anyway. um. Thrilled that Regis Progress has gotten paid in the last two fights. He deserves it, but he's also 30, 33 years old. Time is ticking, needs a big fight next, no doubt about it. I know he wants to stay at 140, and the belts are about to come up. So that's probably why he's, you know, hanging out there, uh, waiting for that. Because I know, you know, he kept saying that he's going to be, you know, that he, he really wants to get another belt at 140, and then he'll go from there. Which I respect that, but um, we'll see. Bellum, you know, they got a lot of money behind them. You could, uh, you know, the MTK stuff. You could say, you know, you could critique uh, the folks behind that uh, platform, which we already knew because of the trademark and the original thing. We already knew that Richard Schaefer had misled the media. Not too many people actually followed up on that. Some people did, though. I want to give, you know, some credit to the media, no doubt about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, if we didn't know already, we saw him in, where was he? In Palestine was it or, or Saudi I can't remember but the WBC came out and you know in support of that and it's funny who uh, the media will just kind of let you know happen behind the scenes and then call other people criminals um I think that's about it I think oh after that performance you might get muted if you see if I see you calling that man a monster even if it's Joe, cut that shit out. They're talking about Berlanga. A major problem with Berlanga is he's listening to too many people. Andre Ward using freaking Bernard Hopkins as a comp on how he should fight. It's so fucking absurd. He's not a boxer. He's a puncher. He needs to learn how to step the punches and not try to outbox someone. That's well said. Okay. So this big drama show. Wow. Dimitri Biville... Reveals Sergey Kovalev helped him and gave him advice on how to beat Canelo. Will this be a cherry picking gong wrong for Canelo? Do you see this, what's wrong with this tweet? So he got advice from Kovalev, who was doing good until he got starched, but he was doing good. I just said that. Um, but now he's getting help from Kovalev to learn how to beat Canelo. And then, then he says, will this be a cherry pick gone wrong for Canelo? So you think this guy kind of comes across that he thinks that Bibble's got a legit chance, but somehow he's cherry picking? <laughs> Obviously, it's a, you know, it's a Golovkin fan, boy, literally off of his name. But it's just, it's funny, dude. Like, so, so Bibble's a cherry pick, huh? Gotcha. Okay, buddy. Why don't you sit down and put something in the air? All right. Uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. Um, there's a variety of them, and we'll definitely be back next weekend. Or next next weekend. Next week. Peace.
2: Once you become the world champion, I believe just-